Blog Talk Radio. Radio family. It is uh, just after the top of the hour, wherever you are, just after 7 here in the central time zone. I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com and Scout.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com and Thomas Watts back in the studio, our producer with Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And uh, there's a ton of things we could talk about, but I guess the easiest place to start would be Alabama basketball, since we have learned today Ruby Armand, that uh, junior guard Ricky Tarrant is out for the season. Yeah, and that was expected. He's missed eight games in a row. I think most didn't think he was going to come back this late uh, with his lower leg injury. I, I still don't think they've, uh, uh, you know, released what the injury is as far as I know, but it's obviously very serious. Uh, he's going to, and I, from what I also understand, Shannon Hale will be out for Vanderbilt after re-injuring his foot. So Correct. it's be a uh, very uh, uphill, uh, an extreme uphill battle and a tough place to play in Nashville Saturday for Alabama. And then they have to finish uh, the, the last week uh, with home games against Ole Miss and then on the road at a very good Texas A&M team. So getting another win in the regular season is going to be a tough uh, chore for Alabama. Right. Uh, they did announce a, a little bit about uh, Terrence's injury. Uh, it's actually a two-part injury. Uh, he has a knee condition that requires surgery that they're going to have right now. But mm-hmm. everything was exacerbated against Florida near the end of the game when he ruptured his plantar fasciitis, which uh-huh. is worse than regular plantar fasciitis. Uh, the rupture is worse. Uh, it takes a lot longer to get over with, and you really can't heal from it other than basically by doing nothing except some prescribed stretches and some icing. Uh, it's probably a two- to three-month recovery of doing nothing. Uh, but the knee issue, they were very vague about it. It was uh, something that he's fought the entire season. Whatever it was occurred sometime in camp before they started games. He toughed it out all year. And you could see him limping every now and then with the knee situation. But it all came crashing down against Florida when he ruptured his plantar fasciitis. Anybody listening that's ever had plantar fasciitis knows that it hurts a whole lot and the rest is the only thing that, that can cure it. But this is a rupture. It's not just regular plantar fasciitis. It's worse. So um, Ricky's gone. You mentioned Shannon gone. He injured the same foot he had surgery on back in the summer. And Michael Kessens is day-to-day. They're unsure if he'll be able to play or how much he'll be able to play in Nashville 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon on Fox Sports Net. As for me, Drew DeArmond, I'm going to be uh, DVRing that game, probably saving myself some torment, and going to scout Brandon Austin down at the BJCC, or they now call it Legacy Arena at the BJCC. Uh, they got themselves a sponsor. As he'll be going uh, for a state championship against a Huntsville school, Lehigh Huntsville, uh, which features uh, Willard Sism's son. Jerron Sism. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, 
we had a nice comeback win today, 48-45 over the Homewood Patriots. And while I watched the second half of the Carver game, uh, it was a it was an ugly game, really just up and down, not a lot of plays run, but a lot of athleticism on the court, uh, 18 points and five rebounds for Brandon Austin, uh, several highlight dunks, not a lot of great shooting. But, uh, again, a uh, nice win for Carver. Uh, especially considering the you know the the kind of turmoil they've been going through with Marlon Davidson not being with the team right now due to the passing of his mother uh, that was unexpected. But again, a good win for Carver. They were up by half. They was half by Woodlawn and uh, did a did a nice job, you know, closing the deal there and and uh, just really uh, really uh, it should be a really good matchup with Lee. I thought when I saw the brackets that would be the final. Just for just for just to further clarify what I said earlier, that what they're calling Terrence knee injury is a bony prominence. I've never heard that particular phrasing, but it, it was surfaced in the off season. He's having surgery for that, but that's good because he needs to stay off the foot anyway. Uh, and I understand that in the first half today, that Brandon Austin did hit at least one three corner. I know he's not the greatest jump shooter in the world, uh, but obviously he's pretty athletic because he apparently wowed. Pretty much everybody in the Coliseum with his last dunk today, Drew. Yeah, he was a he was a two hander uh, down the lane, really athletic play. I think he ended up seven of fourteen shooting, was three of seven in the first half for nine points, as you said, hit a three. So uh, you know he he's got some tools. Still not sure how good a shooter he really is. Uh, kind of question some of the decision making, but on both sides, I mean Carver and Woodlawn both took a lot of questionable shots. But uh, Carver was the, the longer team, the more athletic team, and, and looked to be the more talented team and uh, was able to get the win and move on. And uh, Lee is also very athletic. And Duran Sissom, he's a, you know, a big-time guy, a six foot seven, a long athlete for Lee. And uh, I think he'll probably end up being an Ole Miss Rebel. But, uh, again, he's someone that Alabama, Arkansas, and Ole Miss have been uh, watching uh, his senior season. And he started off strong this summer with an MVP performance in the North-South All-Star game. And I once was in the same dorm for summer school with his dad, Willard, when Willard played football at Alabama. Um, his Willard system was a really funny guy, and I'm sure that sense of humor has been passed down. Uh, speaking of Lee, the other Lee, Lee Montgomery, has a, a two-point lead, Drew, and the ball apparently with 40 seconds or so to go. Uh, they're facing Hoover in the 7-18. I kind of need Lee to win just for lighting purposes because of the slight chance that Alabama might find Tommy Burton, 6-9 senior forward on Lee. Uh, I wanted to see him play. Uh, I'm hoping they hold on against Hoover, even though I live in Hoover. Uh, I really would rather write about Tommy Burton Saturday when I'm heading down for a day of hoops uh, at the uh, Legacy Arena. And uh, most of my friends are pulling for Mountain Brook, but I'm pulling in the last semi tonight in 7-A. I'm, of course, pulling for Theodore because I want to be able to write about uh, Dazon Ingram, a former guest on the show, and I want him to be playing the last game Saturday. That game with uh, Mountain Brook and, and Theodore will play later on tonight around 8.30 or 9. They had to revamp a lot of the schedule because of the weather. Yeah, they did, and I can update you, Carrie. A, a huge three by the Hoover Bucks and now a turnover by Robert E. Lee. Uh, we've got a tied score, 41-all with 15.3 seconds to go, and it's Hoover Buck basketball and we have a timeout, so it's going to be a heck of a finish, it looks like. So Hoover hit a three. Well, that sucks. But anyway, uh, maybe, maybe Lee can figure out a way to pull it out in overtime. Apparently, Lee must have missed a free throw in there somewhere because they were up two. And if a three tied the score, then – Yeah, you know. they split two free throws, and then uh, Hoover hit the three. Okay. 
So keep us posted on that. I don't, I don't have it on any kind of TV. Um, so that's and then Lee turns the ball over. That's that's crazy. Well, anyway, keep us posted on that. Tommy Burton is not a definite sign by Alabama or Auburn. I just thought it'd be fun to watch him play. Definitely need Ingram. It's more important that Ingram and uh, Theodore are beating out Brooks for my writing purposes. And yeah. so uh, we'll keep you posted on that. But there's a girls' game in between there uh, at the end of the uh, Hoover League game, which may go to overtime. There'll be a girls' 7 8 semi, and then there'll be Theodore and Mountain Brook. So, busy week down there. And they actually had to play a few games today over at Bill Harris Arena at the Crossplex because they lost all of yesterday. So, they played about four or five games over uh, in close to Bessemer today. Because the BJCC can only, you know, have so many games in a given day. You know, there's only so much uh, time you can play ball down there. So uh, they moved some games over there. And uh, former guest of the show, Luke Robinson, who uh, does a lot of producing for the uh, Alabama Radio Network for AHSAA uh, playoff games, uh, was uh, back and forth today. And we'll probably have Luke on next week. He's discovered a couple sleeper players down there while he was watching some of the smaller schools play, uh, male and female. Uh, so. We'll keep you posted on that. And um, the Alabama basketball team, uh, perhaps shockingly, uh, got a victory against a bad South Carolina team the other night, Drew. Uh, they did the exact opposite that they did in costing themselves the Georgia game Saturday by not hitting free throws. They hit nine out of the last ten to ice the uh, home win against Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sorry, the home win against South Carolina to go to 17 and 11. They've got to go to Vanderbilt this Saturday at 3, but basically the Alabama basketball roster has been depleted to the point that uh, it's more like a machine than a basketball team. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. You feel bad for the players. Uh, I thought Levi Randolph had a solid game. Rodney Cooper was the key in the second half. He was scoreless in the first. I believe he had 11 in the second half to help you know, ice the game down the stretch, made some plays. I thought Riley North, once again, did some really good things. So, we're, we're going to end up, you know, I was, again, happy for the players, especially considering with the Shannon Hale situation and the where he missed uh, the second half. That was came out of nowhere. They already knew they were without catching. So, Riley had to step up. I believe he scored eight points, had several rebounds. And he had 14 against Georgia and had one of his better games. And so, he's – finishing, you know, pretty strong in his freshman year. Glad to see that. And, uh, again, I thought Justin Coleman was, a, was solid at point. I wish he could have made a couple more shots, but he didn't have too many turnovers, especially in the second half. And I thought Alabama's defense was pretty good uh, in shutting down, uh, you know, South Carolina. They were able to, you know, down the stretch, especially the last, you know, three to four minutes of the game, kind of impose their will on them. But like you said, Kerry, South Carolina's not a very good team, but – uh, they did get hurt inside because they were basically playing sometimes five perimeter players. Uh, but, again, I thought they scrapped it and were able to find a way to win, unlike against Georgia. This time they made the plays to win the game. So, Hoover threw it out of bounds, and Lee has the ball back with two seconds left. 2.1. And there will be a chance to try to stave off overtime. Maybe Lee can win it in regulation. Something. Just keep us posted on that. That's 7A uh, Alabama High School basketball featuring Six nine prospect Tommy Burton of Lee, but they got a win to be able to be seen by Bama Megan Scout Saturday. So figure it out, Lee. Uh, get, now, other sports, just briefly. Uh, the Alabama softball team uh, hosted the uh, Eastern Bama Bash this past weekend, lost twice to Michigan, uh, defeated James Madison, defeated David Liskin, lost the game against James Madison to the weather that they would probably won. 
uh, lost the game last uh, Tuesday night in Jacksonville. They probably would have won against Jacksonville State. Lost the game last week to the weather against UAB. They probably would have won. They lost three probable Ws to the weather, uh, but they're still sitting at, I believe, 12 and 3 and ranked, uh, ranked third. And uh, Michigan is a very good team, a fellow top five team. But they defeated Alabama two times in a row at Rhodes Stadium, which was a little bit of a surprise. Meanwhile, the baseball team went out to uh, Houston, lost two out of three, but lost a really crazy game Saturday. They went back and forth, controversial calls, that kind of thing. Had a clutch performance, and Casey Houston, the right fielder, was off to a great start. He's hitting over 600. Uh, he's just doing really great. Then they swept the doubleheader from Savannah State uh, in Birmingham on uh, Tuesday. So they're now 6-2 and two in baseball. Uh, they're ranked around number 25 or so in one of the polls, and I think not ranking the other poll. They're, both teams, softball and baseball, are hosting uh, softball in Tuscaloosa and baseball in Hoover, Louisiana Lafayette, or as they now call themselves, the University of Louisiana. So uh, they're going to play uh, the baseball game tomorrow at 3 instead of 6 because of the freezing weather tomorrow night. Uh, softball will play a doubleheader Saturday starting at 1 and a single game Sunday believe that two, but uh, both teams have three games apiece this weekend, weather permitting, against uh, We just lost Kerry. I don't know yeah, why. I, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. Well, he just, he just bailed out of the call. Drew, let me just jump in. I, I wanted to go back to basketball, but we were we were flowing pretty good. Having watched that game on television, was I completely – off my rocker to say that I felt like Coleman Coliseum was a mausoleum. <laughs> Thomas, you couldn't have used a better term. I've been calling it. I, in fact, I called on a radio show in Tuscaloosa last night. I called it Coleman Mausoleum. I called I mean, it that in the last days of the Hobbs era, but it's back now. Well, I mean, it's pretty bad. I'm watching the game on TV, and I can hear Frank Martin's voice, uh, you know, echoing in the arena. Uh, you can almost hear exactly what he's saying, you know, you know, really getting into his players for not rebounding and not defending properly and, you know, not executing their offense. And, yeah, it's, I agree with Kerry 100%. It's back to being Coleman Mausoleum. You can hear the ref making calls. You can hear the ref. You can hear uh, TV Ted Valentine say three seconds. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bad. Nobody wants to watch the product. I feel bad for the players. They obviously are still, you know, they, they. I'll give them credit. They haven't given up on the coaches, unlike the Godfrey era. Uh, you see them still going out and playing hard every night. But it's just uh, it's a sad situation right now for Alabama basketball. It's hard to watch. Yeah, well, I understand we got our first caller tonight on the uh, Big Head Barbecue Hotline. Check them out at bigheadbbq.net if you need some catering down there in South Alabama. The Big Head Barbecue Hotline to call BAMS Radio is 714-510-3707. That's 714-510-3707. But already ready for the first call of the evening is Colin Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama. What is up, Big C? Not much, Kerry. How are you, Drew? Good, Big C. How are you doing, man? Drew's hanging in there, taking it easy, listening to y'all's show is it a totally hopeless situation with the basketball team from a coaching standpoint? I will say this, the players haven't given up on him. You're right on that. Yeah, it's uh, 
it, it looks pretty bleak, Big C, especially with the injury mm-hmm. situation and the schedule being what it is from here on out. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if they don't win another game. Uh, I hate to be – I mean, you know, I don't want to be a <laughs> – a uh, Debbie Downer, but you know the Ole Miss is a very good team. Uh, could you could say they're, they they they're better than Georgia? They're coming into Coleman Coliseum, which will be Coleman Mausoleum. I don't expect it to be a big crowd. And then the two road games, Texas A&M has been very good the second half of the season, and Vanderbilt. You know they've been up and down, but they're always tough in Memorial Gym. Yeah. Well, just say somehow another miracle happens, and they pull it off, and they get in the win the next three games, just say they do. We're just using that as an example and do well in the SEC. Is there a possibility of them doing the NCA if that happens or not? Oh, yeah, there'd be a possibility. Uh, they're going to really have to – they'd have to almost win out and, and win a few games in the SEC tournament, uh, two to three. But uh, I don't see that happening. Uh, I said that their ceiling would probably be 18 wins, and I think that's probably what it's going to be. Uh uh, to me, I think they have to make a change because it'll be Coleman Mausoleum the entire season next year. Uh, but we'll see. That's going to be up to the powers that be at Alabama to make that decision. But, again, uh, I just think there needs to be some energy, uh, you know, injected into the program. Uh, I was watching the high school basketball, as I have been today, and the first thing they talked about was Bruce Pearl and Chuck Person being in the arena. Didn't hear anything about Grant. I hope he was there. Watching he was there. Austin. He was at the league game. But uh, that, uh, he probably did stay then. Hopefully, and uh, hopefully he went over, came over to the other arena, and uh, to 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 see uh, that one. So he was probably watching John Sissom as well. But hopefully he watched Brandon Austin some as well. But again, they were talking about uh, you know Chuck Person and Bruce Pearl being front and center. But you know it's just it's a sad situation. Coach Grant's a good man. It just doesn't look like it's going to work out at Alabama. Uh, y'all mentioned. Uh, Willard Sism's son, so is he, is he a big-time basketball prospect? What y'all saying? I mean, he's a really good player, Big C. I wouldn't call him a big-time prospect. He's long. He can shoot it. He's athletic. He's around 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, probably around 190 pounds. Uh, you know, he's been a, really a four-year varsity guy at Lee High School, gotten better, you know, progressively every year. Uh, pretty good yeah. rebounder. He's not really what Alabama's looking for. They need a, a big that can bang, but he would fit with Arkansas style of play and perhaps with Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss has been the most aggressive in recruiting him. Well, um, all right, y'all were talking about the basketball tournament now. Is Mountain Brook a 718? Is that right or wrong? That's right. And now who are they playing tonight? They play Theodore, which has Alabama signee Dazon Ingram at guard. That's the last game tonight. It probably won't start till nine or nine thirty. But yeah, that's who they play. And then Saturday is the championship game. Then that's right. Okay. Yeah, another very good game to watch. Big C with a big time prospect is the last game at the other arena uh, near Bessemer Johnson High School at around eight o'clock tonight. Probably uh, they're going to play Faith Academy. Both of them have long win streaks. You know, the last team uh, to beat Johnson, I believe, was Faith. And uh, they're going to play each other tonight in the last game in the 5A uh, boys. Uh, be a big-time matchup. John Petty from Johnson High School is a kid that's uh, going to be a big-time uh, recruit in another couple years. He's only a sophomore, only you know seven or 16 years old, and Johnson's uh, looking to try to knock off Faith. Jack Dawson win the state. 
state record for state championship. Come close twice. We'll see tonight if he can get another opportunity Saturday. Where's he coaching at? Where's Dale Johnson? Johnson High School in Huntsville. Oh, he's back there. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, uh, what's going on there? Here's some noise in the background. Hello, y'all still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was hearing some noise going on. I didn't. Um, what have y'all heard? Um, uh, right now with work, winter workouts, y'all heard anything? Or when's spring practice, folks? I know the A-Bay game's on April the 18th. When is it? March what? They start uh, spring practice up there. Big C, they, they start March the 13th. Uh, that's the first day. Uh, they're going to go one day, then break uh, for spring break, and then come back. And uh, then they're going to crank it up, I believe, on the 26th. Uh, then they're going to practice straight through. And then the A-Day game, as you said, uh, will be the 18th. The other scrimmage is scheduled for April the 11th on my birthday. That uh, They'll likely have one also in March, probably – uh, around the time they uh, shortly after they get back from spring break, but it may be just situation. I got you. Well, uh, are you going to be covering? Oh, uh, let me ask you this, y'all. Um, uh, are you going to be covering any of the games tomorrow morning, Drew? Uh, I will. I, I I will probably be watching. I don't think I'll be covering. If I go down, it will probably be on Saturday. Uh. Okay, I'll just touch base with you tomorrow morning then. All right, Big C. Look forward to it, man. All right, thank you. See you, Kerry. Y'all have a great night. All right. Thanks, Big C. Roll tight. Alan Big C. McGuire, our regular call from the tiny hamlet of Greenville, Alabama. Well, it sounds like uh, Lee is down by one with about a minute to go, Drew. Is that correct? I'm checking it right now. Uh, actually, the game just is is just gone into double overtime. Okay. And this Rod Scott is playing for Lee. He's not any kin to Raw Raw, is he? I don't guess so. I don't think so. Um, that is interesting that Willard Susan has a son. That, I, I don't know how he kind of flew under the radar this long, and all of a sudden he's an old Miss prospect. I find that to be really interesting. But uh, uh, he's kind of, I mean, he was always, everybody kinda knew who he was and knew about him, but. He's just gotten progressively better, and then he had that. He did a great job in the North-South game, and and uh, wow, what a shot, Gary! Uh, uh, Hoover hit a three to tie it up, and then I believe, uh, uh, or, or excuse me, to take a to take a to take a two-point lead, and then uh, and then uh, as you as I was just going to tell you, just on the replay, uh, Robert E. Lee hit a shot, and then now we're going into double overtime. So that's wild. Yep. Been crazy. It's, uh, it's been. It's, now, uh, well, it's, now you're right. Uh, your, your Theodore game may not start till ten. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm doing radio tonight instead of sitting down there trying to dodge the crowd noise. I'd have to done. I'd have nope. to done bands on the cell phone. We know anyone works. So. Yeah, we. Well, I tried that myself from uh, Wallace. We know how that works. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. The crowd just uh, get too into it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Drew, there's a pretty big junior day in Tuscaloosa this weekend, but and we'll go over that in a second. But I'll preface that by saying that the three best prospects in the entire state came in together this past weekend, and all three of them to a man 
say they had a pretty good time. I'm talking about Marlon Davidson, Mac Wilson, and uh, Ben Davis. Yeah, you know, they all three had a good time. It's been hard to get in touch with Marlon because of what has happened to him, you know, with his family situation. You know, our hearts and, you know, our yeah, our hearts go out to him and his family, you know, losing his mother unexpectedly like that. And, uh, you know, and also they're both on the basketball team at Carver Montgomery. So, Mac Wilson uh, was with the team today, and uh, I don't believe Marlon was. But it's just been a tough uh, situation. Uh, but, uh, again, they uh, they seem to have a good time down there. They didn't really hang out with Ben a lot. I think they were basically uh, kind of – they were there, but not totally all at the same time. Uh, I think they overlapped a little bit. But, yeah, Ben had a good time, as he always does, such and base with the coaching staff. And then I think Alabama continues uh, to be in solid position uh, for Marlon and uh, Mac Wilson. Yeah, and really, you know, of course, they're in great position for us. Ben, because as Daddy Wayne played at Alabama, the most interesting thing to I think they're in great position with Mac and Marlon right now is saying all the right things. Uh, I know it's early. I know his brother uh, Michael Carter played for Auburn, but uh, at this point, you know Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have done a really, really good job on Marlon Davidson. Yeah, they have, and they're putting themselves. Kirby talks to Kirby every week. Kirby has, you know, for a good while now, has put himself in great position, uh, you know, with uh, the young man, Marlon Davidson, who may end up being the top prospect in the state. And, yeah, and Marlon, uh, you know, he, he, as we've said, he, he's, he's a, I, I believe, the stepbrother to Kenneth Carter. They're not super close. And, and now he has, you know, moved from Greenville to Carver. Uh, playing next to Lindell Wilson, who I think, you know, will end up signing with Alabama. So, again, it's uh, I think Alabama does have a really good shot at Marlin. Uh, you never know in recruiting. Auburn's not going to go without a fight, but I think Alabama does have a really solid shot. And Marlin was the best player I saw in Alabama last year. The best player I saw overall uh, was uh, Derek Brown at Lanier High in Georgia, Sugar Hill, Georgia. Uh, and he has Alabama third right now. Derek does. Uh, but uh, my sister-in-law is, is pretty good friends with his mom because my nephew played with him last year. My nephew's a year ahead of Derek. Uh, and uh, he has Georgia first, Auburn second, Alabama third. But Alabama is, I can confirm, Alabama is on the rise with him. And I think it's going to come down to Georgia and Alabama for Derek Brown when it's all said and done. His parents both went to state. But he's got them around fifth or sixth on his list. He's not looking at them as hard as you might think. Uh, his parents are open to him going wherever he feels comfortable. And he feels very comfortable at Alabama. And I'm telling you, he's a dominating player. Uh, it, it's so funny. You know, we had Jimmy Stein on last week, Drew, and he went over his uh, LJS Law um, Super 16 for 2016, and he was listening to all these different guys. And, and it's funny, and we're going to go over this later because I know Coach Hood is going to be calling in just a few minutes. But Jimmy uh, today has released his first guest at a uh, a 25-man signing class for Alabama <laughs> 11 months in advance. He just did it for fun, but it, it's going to be something fun for you and I to talk about probably um, after we get through talking to Coach Hood uh, and in between. We haven't – now, uh, Jerry Hood from Clay Charlton will, will be our next guest. He's the head coach of a recent commitment. He's also the head coach of one of the top players in 2017 – for Alabama, uh, which Drew will go over all that when we introduce Coach in a few minutes. But I wanted to go ahead and tell the listeners uh, that in hour number two, at around 8.30 or so, we're going to talk to Tom Canterbury, 
who is the first-year play-by-play announcer for Alabama softball. But Tom is also a very busy part-time athletic department employee working the scoring table and things like that. And he's working at Foster Auditorium tonight while the Alabama women's basketball team plays Florida. So he'll be able to give us an update on how that game comes out as well as uh, kind of an in-season report card on Alabama softball as uh, he has called every pitch thus far in all 15 ball games that, that they played. Um, but uh, so that, that's kind of where things stand right now at the university. Uh, another thing before we bring on Coach Hood, okay, we'll, we'll go ahead and bring him on now. Drew. We, we got him on hold, so I'll let you go and introduce him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're honored uh, tonight on BAM's radio uh, to be joined for the first time uh, by the head football coach of the Clay Chalkville Cougars, who are the defending 6A uh, state champions. Uh, Jerry Hood uh, is going to join us now on BAM's radio. Coach Hood, how are you tonight? Man, that sounds better every time somebody says it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I know it never gets old, and when your team does something like that, the thing that always sticks in my mind is it's something that for the rest of your life, whenever you see your coaches or your your teammates, it's something – it's a bond you have that never goes away. It's something that – You'll have reunions, 10-year, uh, 20-year, and it's something that's just a great accomplishment. And uh, we want to, uh, first of all, congratulate you and your program on doing that and, and doing something that's very hard to do, and that's uh, go, you know, 15-0. and 0. That's, that's really tough, and you've been a very, very fine Sarah Land team in the, in the championship game. The Sarah Land was a great, great football team, and, and I have the kids for going 15-0. and 0. That takes a uh, lot of – focus and effort each and every week and not looking ahead and this team had that and I was was really proud of them yeah coach and I got to tell you you know I knew you guys were going to be good you know when I saw you on ESPN I was at Hoover for the Hoover Miami Central game then you guys played Niceville Florida had a really good football team and you guys just were so explosive offensively as a coaching staff I guess the first question is you lost some talented performers uh, from 2013, but you had to have a pretty good idea during fall camp and during the summer that, you know, you were going to plug in Todd Pigram, but did you have any idea that he would do what he did for you in the 2014 season? He was athletic, but we didn't know was how he was to develop in reading concepts and running a football team and taking care of the football. And, you know, the first game there against Nicholl, a lot of times he just took off and ran up having a big game. That really was not his best game. As he went on through the year, he got to where he could, uh, you know, read different coverages and keep us in the right play or change us out of the wrong play. And those kind of things were fun to see. He's a very talented person, got uh, several offers, and we can't wait to see what he's going to do this year. Coach Hood, this is Kerry uh, Clark with BamaMag.com, Scout.com. We've talked uh, many times before some of your games going all the way back to when Quentin Dial played for you. And also your uh, son played on a team a couple years ago with my nephew, Will, and uh, Rick Burgess's son and Coach Yankee's grandson. I know you remember that team. Uh, but uh, we're really thrilled to have you uh, on BAM's radio tonight. Uh, and you had a young man that uh, had a wonderful junior season at wide receiver put up some really good numbers, including the state championship game, and then recently uh, committed to uh, Nick Saban and the University of Alabama. 
tell us a little bit about that young man, uh, his size, and, and what, you, what what we know about him as a player. Well, I do remember the mighty mini coats that uh, Rick Rick coached, and we were horrible. But uh, that was a fun group of kids to uh, be around, that's for sure. But, you know, TJ's 6'2", about 192 right now. And uh, and he's a he's a workout warrior now. That's one thing that, uh, and since ever since I met him, is uh, is working. He has some natural God given ability. Obviously, he's a very fine receiver. But more than that, he is a great leader of people, and people are drawn to him. He has a great smile, and he's always happy. And boy, I think Alabama's getting him a good one. And, Coach, uh, I've seen some camp 40 times for him that show him around 475, but I got a funny feeling he's a lot faster than that. What is the last 40 you know of for him? Uh, we took it the other day when it was 30 degrees outside. That was one of the questions that uh, Alabama had, and, and that 475 was at a rainy uh, Army deal or whatever was going on there, and everybody apparently ran slow, which is a good lesson in and of itself for these kids trying to camp all the time, but we timed him. We've got him at a four-five-eight and a four-five-nine on where we had him last spring, and I think he's about about right in that area. High four-five, four-six kids. Okay. And last question for me, at least about this player, uh, I've seen TJ compared quite a bit to uh, former Alabama receiver. Kevin Norwood, who was a really good possession receiver and now plays for Seattle Seahawks. Uh, at this point in his career, do you think that's a fair comparison? You know, I don't know. Uh, Coach Napier and the guys at Alabama keep referring to uh, to that about TJ and Kevin Norwood. If he is going to be end up being that kind of a player, that would, that would not be a bad one to be like. And um, – you know, I, I think he what he does have is he is the big and he is tough enough to attach as a tight end and block a little bit. You know, he's a phenomenal blocker. So I think the ability to do different things with him is his main thing they're referring to in comparison with Kevin. And, Coach, that's what I wanted to ask you about. That's the one thing that really stood out to me about TJ. And it's something that, that you don't see a lot, especially with a kid that has to put up the numbers that he did with over 900 yards receiving, uh, you know, and 17 touchdowns. But he's a phenomenal blocker. He does a great job of being physical uh, at the point of attack. Uh, and, and really, you know, and that's a key to uh, you guys to set the state record with 751 points scored. And you can't do that if everybody's not doing their job. And I guess that's another part of the leadership you're talking about because he seems to have just to be a, a great all-around receiver. Here's the thing that, you know, because I'm saying, and I'm saying, and the blocker that, We just lost him. I'll try and get him back one second. Okay. Uh, and the guy we were talking about, we didn't ever give his whole name. T.J. Simmons was the receiver we were talking about that, that just committed to Alabama a week or so ago. 
uh, a very early commitment, uh, but already number four in the Tides uh, 16 class. And um, Thomas is going to go ahead and try to get Coach Hood back, and maybe this time we'll have a little better connection. But, Drew, we've also got to ask him about Nico Collins. Oh, no doubt. 2017, Nico Collins, you know, sessions, 805 yards, 15 touchdowns, uh, you know, over 20 yards per catch, six foot four. Uh, in the 190-pound range, uh, just a, a phenomenal talent, uh, somebody that, you know, burst onto the scene as a sophomore last year and uh, looks to have a very bright future. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll get Coach Hood back. Uh, I know sometimes we've, there is some issues with cell service, but, again, uh, we look forward to uh, talking to him about Nico Collins, who is a great prospect. By the way, Drew, finally in double overtime, and Hoover 65, Robbie Lee 56, so, we won't be able to scout uh, Tommy Burton Saturday. I guess it's just as well. Uh, he wasn't doing a lot of scoring tonight for the Generals anyway. Um, if he was in double figures, he wasn't too far in double figures. But uh, anyway, so Hoover has clinched the spot in the first ever 7A basketball championship. Uh, if you'll recall, the Bucks won the first ever 7A football championship just a few, a few short months ago in very early December uh, in a place called Jordan Hare Stadium. Uh, and, uh, you know, Drew, while we wait on getting coached back, uh, speaking of Hoover, you and I have talked for at least a month now about the possibility of Josh Niblett joining Nick Saban's staff, but uh, it appears, at least for now, that Freddie Roach is the next guy up. Yeah, Freddie Roach is going to be the next guy, Kerry. You know, we reported back uh, at Intel uh, two or three days ago. We had heard that there, there was a good chance that he was in the mix, and then yesterday it, it started to really come to fruition, and once we confirmed it, we we got that up on Twitter, but yeah, we've been hearing for a few days that Freddie Rose might be coming back, and you know, I, I anticipate that uh, Freddie will probably take the director of player development spot uh, that Chris Samuels vacated when he went to Osborne High School uh, in Virginia. Speaking of high school, we've got Coach Hood back. Uh, uh, Jerry, welcome back to Bama's Radio. One of the guys we wanted to ask you about that we didn't get to before was uh, only the a, a rising junior for you, uh, who also recently got an Alabama offer. And that's six foot five, Nico Collins. Uh, what can you tell us about this young man and his speed and his football savvy? As well, um, you know what he has. He brings great length. He's a home run hitter type receiver, and uh, you know he's going to make someone just a phenomenal foot. Keeping him grounded. He doesn't do a lot of interviews, and uh, we just want him to keep working hard to be the best that he can be. But he's uh, he's obviously given us that Coach Saban thought all enough of him to offer him, and that's a quite a compliment. Yeah, and Coach, I'm sorry we lost you before, but what I was what we were talking about is you know you were you were giving us your thoughts on uh, TJ and. Like we were saying, I mean, I, it's amazing the, the blocker that he is, as physical as he is. A lot of high school receivers, they only worry about getting the football. He seems to be an all-around great football player for you. And like you said, you said he's a great leader and a workout warrior, and that must be more right. than what you're talking about. With as great a football player as he is, as far as all around, he's got to be one of the guys you count on. Just uh, kind of expand on what you were talking about with TJ and his all-around game. Well, what I was saying is, you know, we can attach him as a tight end. Uh, he, you know, he's a devastating blocker, and he plays on all of our special teams. He brings a lot to the table. If we ever are in a situation, 
we were lucky not to be in this situation a lot this year where we need three safeties back for the last play of the half of the game. He's that guy that we put back there and uh, returns kicks and punts, and we even let him line up at punter and fake one this year. So we, we have a lot of fun with T.J., and he's just always eager to do whatever's necessary to help our team win. And obviously, you know, you just spoke a little bit on Nico Collins. He's uh, he, he was a, a kind of a breakout guy for you, uh, being being with a just all, unbelievable combination of size and speed for a player that young. Uh, just kind of talk about what are what are his strengths as a player right now, I and mean, what are you guys trying to get him to work on the most to get better? Well, he's a good player already. Uh, we we obviously want him to become a better blocker, number one, and be more physical. He probably will have a lot of folks up in his face this year, so he's going to have to work on his get-off on the line of scrimmage. Um, however, you know, having him and TJ there and then uh, a quarterback that can throw it and, as well as run it, that, that creates some difficulty for a defense. And so, you know, the problem that – Nico is going to cause for people. If you double him, then you can't double TJ. If you double TJ, you can't double him. So if they double both of them, we're going to run quarterback sneak for 100 yards. <laughs> yeah, it's, your offense is very tough to defend. Uh, Pigram was just an amazing uh, story last year. Uh, you know, could have made a, a big-time argument for him to be Mr. Football. Uh, he'll probably be the favorite uh, going into this year. I know he's a, he, he's considered short for the quarterback position. Uh, is he is he set on playing that on the next level, or is he going to try to maybe play another position in the SEC with his athleticism? Well, a lot of people ask me that, and uh, even even some of the recruiters talk about is he just bent on playing quarterback. And so what we what we told the recruiters, and what what I talk about with Ty is you just play where we want you to play, and the good Lord will take care of the rest of it. He'll shake it out just like you need to be, put you in a place that likes you. You know, he's 5'10 and a half, and so that probably is considered short for a, you know, Alabama quarterback or a Georgia quarterback. They like those kind, but, you know, if you go back and look at a Purdue or an Oregon or some of those type schools, you know, a six-foot, 5'11 guy is not out of the question for them, especially when you can make all the throws. And so his ability to make the throws, we actually took his highlight tape and took all the runs out of it and just put the throws on it uh, to let those guys see. Because when you watch him run, he's so dynamic of a runner, you can't help but to think how he'd be as a slot receiver or something like that. So uh, that'll all play out in time. I mean, he's got five or six offers, and three of those are for quarterback positions at various places. So we'll just let that play out and decide which is best for him as a person. Well, and I will say, watching him on film, I I, I like his arm strength. And I think there's been a with – with his successes over the Russell Wilsons and the Drew Breeses in the NFL, there's been less, uh, you know, stock put in height. And I think he can – I think he, he can play quarterback somewhere. Uh, obviously, his accuracy looks pretty. It looks pretty good as well. Arm strength is there, uh, and he can move and extend plays, which is the biggest thing uh, in the pocket. But we'd also like to ask you. Obviously, your program has been doing very well in your tenure at Clay Chalkville. 
besides those three high-profile high guys, have you got any other young players that are coming up that you think uh, may make that next step as prospects in 2015? Well, you know, I, I think we have a couple of linemen uh, that that have a chance. Uh, right now, they're on the lookout list. In other words, the, the coaches need to come in in the spring and observe them practicing football, especially for an offensive lineman. You need to see them up close. So I think you'll see uh, Greg Fulcannon, who's a 6'2", 300-pound center, and a and we have a, a guard tackle-type kid, a 6'5", uh, about 275 right now, Cole Garrison. And the attractive thing about Cole is he already has a 31 on the ACP. So he's going to, wow. he's going to be attractive to uh, – to a lot of places. And then we have a linebacker, I think, that, uh, you know, might have a shot named Terry Brown. He's about a six-foot, 190 kid. I don't know if he's an SEC player, but he'll have a shot. And we had a uh, transfer from Chase Valley uh, that moved in, and and I think, I think he has a chance to be a pretty good player. So, you know, I, all that, all that, Attention that TJ, Nico, and Ty get will certainly allow other coaches to come by. And when they come by, I'm going to hit them with all these other cats, and uh, we'll see if we can help those guys too. Yeah, no doubt, Coach. Well, one last question for you. Uh, obviously, uh, you guys are going to be one of the more high-profile teams in the state of Alabama next year. Uh, have you guys got your schedule worked out, and will you be playing uh, any uh, out-of-state games or intersectional games that might be interesting? Well, we were supposed to open the season again with Hoover at our place. Now Hoover and and ourselves are going up to Blackman, Tennessee. Hoover will play Oakland, and we will play Blackman at, at Middle Tennessee State on August 22nd. And then from there, our, our schedule will remain just like it was last year with the in-state uh, folks. And then we'll hopefully qualify for the playoffs, see what we can do. Coach, I've already picked out the game I'm coming to. This is Kerry again. I'm going to come when y'all host Pinson Valley because they've got a young wide receiver that, that's getting some books. It's just going to be a junior, too. So uh, I will definitely see you at your home field when y'all play Pinson. Hey, well, you come on, brother. That's always a great game. They always play us tough, and it'll be a great crowd, good atmosphere. Coach, I have one more for you before I let you go. Uh, what's it like for you uh, as a high school coach to cut the TV on on a Sunday afternoon and watch Quentin Dow play for the 49ers? Well, well, I usually don't get to watch him play. I have to TiVo it and maybe catch a little bit of it as I can, but uh, – you know, Quentin and I have become good friends. Uh, as he has grown into adulthood, he's about to have a baby, and he's doing great with his wife. And obviously, just signed a good contract. And I think he probably will start this year for the Forty ers And to see him come back on our campus, uh, we've got three in the NFL right now. And to see Quentin come back on campus and just interact with our kids and let them know that. Uh, you know, football and education is an avenue for you to uh, become whatever you desire to be. And he is a living, breathing example of that. And that's big for our kids. And so I am, shoot, I'm so proud of him. I, I can't reach his neck, but I give him a big hug every time I see him. Well, 
Coach Hood, we really appreciate you taking some time tonight, and uh, thanks for getting back with us uh, after the, the phone issue. We really we know you're a busy guy, and we hope to have you on BAMS again in the future, and uh, we really enjoyed it tonight, and thank you for uh, being with us. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, Coach Hood. That's Coach Jerry Hood of Clay Chalkville, the Cougars. Uh, they'll be defending their uh, 6A state championship starting in uh, – the Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, that's an interesting doubleheader they're playing there, Drew. Uh, Hoover's got got quite the uh, the schedule going. They're also going to play North Marion from Florida and Manatee from Florida. Both those games will be at the Met. One in August. You may want to think about coming down for that through the 28th. Uh, yeah. And then and then also uh, in November they're going to play North Marion. And North Marion has a guy with an Alabama offer. John Garcia told me his name the other day. It's Casey. We'll get to that later on. Personnel-wise, Drew, uh, we mentioned about Freddie Roach coming back, but uh, also uh, AP Statham, who I work with at Scout.com and Bama Mag, has discovered that uh, the replacement for Joe uh, Panunzio as director of football ops has been selected. Alabama hadn't announced any of this, but we have our ways of finding stuff out. Uh, But the new director of football operations is going to be Justin Dickens. And Justin Dickens comes from Michigan, where he spent one year as their director of football ops. Interestingly enough, before he became a, a DFO, he was a PR guy. First, uh, not only at Michigan, but prior to that, a PR guy for the Indianapolis Colts. For seven so, years. Uh, he will be a very interesting guy if he goes around the state and talks to the relevant clubs. Uh, he'll, you know, with a PR background and basically is heading into uh, only really his second full-time year as a director of football ops, but the plan for how that job is, is done is already laid out. You just need a good man at the switch, and apparently they got one. So, Frey Roach joined the staff. Uh, Justin Dickens joined the staff. Uh, nobody seems to know what's going on. And I've been asking around Hoover Group uh, with Josh Nibbler. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't there, – <laughs> there's a lot of off-the-field jobs in Alabama. We, we don't really know what what has been filled and what has not as far as if, what's left. There's been a lot of buzz about Josh, you know, pretty much since the, their season ended, about him coming to Alabama. Nothing has happened yet. We'll see if it will. Uh, obviously, he's lost some coaches. His brother, uh, Tad Niblett, is now the new coach of the Foley Lions, uh, replacing Todd Watson, who took an, uh, a, a job on the staff at Troy. So his brother is gone, and he's lost coaches before, though, and obviously uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of competition still around. Uh, you know, with Mark Freeman at Spanish Fort, Tim Castile is going to be on his staff. Uh, and then you see uh, Adam Weingarten going to Auburn, and now Tim Carter going from Auburn to Fairhope. Uh, so uh, there's just been the coaching carousel has been turning. And then my alma mater, they named their head coach, uh, yes, flat late last night. Chris Woodfin, uh, who was the uh, th- the offensive coordinator the last three seasons uh, with the uh, James Clemens Jets. So, you know, Clint? Do what? Isn't it Clint Woodfin? Or Clint Woodfin, uh, my apologies. Clint Woodfin uh, will be coming over from uh, James Clemens. Uh, I had talked to Coach Mitchell, the principal, a couple of days ago. He said he had his guy, didn't want to reveal it yet. But uh, he did talk uh, to Bill Smith at Shades Valley High School. Uh, obviously, he felt like Clint Woodson was the best fit uh, for Huntsville High, so we will see how that works out. I mean, obviously, James Clemens' program has built, been built quickly under his guidance and head coach Wade Walder. 
they've uh, got to the playoffs this past season, uh, you know, and uh, had a record-setting year offensively. Of course, he was the O.C. James Clemens, we'll see what he can do at Huntsville. Maybe Bill should apply for those two jobs with James Clemens. I don't know. Uh, that that could happen. Uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm not sure where Coach Smith has landed. Somebody I know he's not going to Athens. They hired uh, Robert Herring from Samford as the offensive coordinator there, and also Darius Gilbert will be on that staff. Uh, the uncle of uh, Jeremiah Moon and Hoover, the linebacker, and also former Alabama linebacker Darius Gilbert from Oxford High School. He's going from Oxford to Athens, and. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But Hazel Green uh, didn't make their hire. Bill Smith got an interview there as well. But they hired the head coach at Munford High School. I believe his name is Coach Wagnon. So he's coming over there. So they uh, they made their hire. All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jeremiah Moon, Drew, because uh, he is among the people that are heading down for Junior Day in Tuscaloosa Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a big-time Junior Day, a lot of 2016-2017 recruits. Uh, Moon, I think, uh, for Alabama's first junior day, I think he was in Starkville. But he will be a priority recruit. I wrote a story uh, last night on Jeremiah, on, uh, Jeremiah Moon. And what I think, Kerry, uh, with Alabama, as you know, you know the roster well. Reggie Ragland is a senior, uh, returning leading tackler on the football team. Uh, obviously, Dylan Lee is going into his last campaign, uh, as is Denzel Duvall. And then you got two uh, guys that are juniors the off-injured Reuben Foster, and then the redshirt junior Ryan Anderson. So linebacker is going to be a key for Alabama, and, and my hope is they don't have to leave the state borders to put together a four-man class that could be among the best in the country. We've already mentioned uh, Lindell Mack Wilson of Carver Montgomery and also Ben Davis of Gordo. But now we mentioned Jeremiah Moon, who to me is a better player and prospect than Daryl Williams and Christian Bell. No disrespect to those two young men. I think he has the most upside. Needs to gain a lot of weight, but he's got an unbelievable wingspan, a lot of athletic ability. Uh, he's been working with Javon Curse on becoming a better pass rusher. I think he's got a lot of uh, talent that's untapped yet. And then the one that I think is going to explode, Gary, and that's Errol E. Thompson of uh, Florence High School. Saw him against the Shades Valley Mounties when they ended Darren Payne's run and uh, Keith Mixon, and he was knocking people out from his defensive end outside linebacker spot. To me, he's the next Courtney up, y'all. Yeah, I saw E play against uh, Gardendale myself, uh, knock them out of the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely a ball player. And another guy to watch, uh, I've never been to a game until, I guess, this fall, in Jemison, Alabama, but I'm going to have to check out P.J. Booth and hear a lot of good things about him, Drew. Yeah, and he's a hybrid guy, kind of like Keaton Anderson, Kerry. He could play safety, uh, or he could be a linebacker. Alabama offered him at the first junior day. Uh, he, he He's probably going to be the first prospect in a while to come out of Jemison. But, again, you're right. He's going to be on the radar screen, and for Alabama to verbally offer him this early, uh, they obviously want him to come to camp, but they like him an awful lot. Before we go on uh, and talk a little bit more football, I wanted to uh, bring up something uh, on behalf of all three of us, Thomas, Drew, and myself. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Ivan Mazel and his family, his wife, Meg Murray. Uh, their son, Max Mazel, 21 years old, has been missing since uh, Sunday night. And um, he's uh, been missing up north around uh, Rochester, New York area. Uh, 
it's a, it's a sad situation. They don't know where the heck the kid is. Uh, and of course, anybody in that area is asked to call 911 if they have any information. He's uh, six foot five, 135 pounds, and he wears uh, dark uh, glasses. Um, so, Ivan is one of the greatest writers out there in college football. I think you'll agree, Drew. And our thoughts and prayers and, and hopes and wishes. Nobody's given up yet. Go that the sooner that they find Max Mazel, the better. Well, yeah, I heard about this yesterday, and my I said the same thing on my site. You know, thoughts and prayers to the Mazel family. Ivan's always been one of the best in business. Uh, what about? Oh, he's been he, he's a he's an Alabama Alabama guy, Mobile um, guy. Yeah, from Mobile. You know, he's but he's been a national writer for a long time, but has always been fair and balanced, and uh, always used to listen to his podcast on ESPN with Bino Cook uh, before you know Bino passed away a couple of years ago. So uh, again, you know, Ivan Mazel is is one of the giants in the in the college football business as far as writers, and uh, you know, we really hope and pray that they find his son and. Hearing that yesterday, you know, your heart just kind of sank, man. That's a really tough situation to be going through. Right, right. All right, well, getting back to the um, to the junior day this weekend, we, we mentioned the Jeremiah Moon. Uh, just off the top of your head, Drew, uh, any other names jump out at you that are going to be there? Well, you know, there, there's uh, I've noticed that there's several 2016 and 17s from Georgia. Uh, there's it seems to be that there's a the, the Farrar the young man Farrar from Richmond Texas uh, who's an offensive lineman who's going to be there uh, he's two, actually a 2017 he's one of the first that I saw that confirmed he would be there uh, you know I think Peachtree Ridge there's three or four of those juniors that may or may not make the trip but uh, there, it's going to be a, a pretty good weekend Kerry with the weather clears up I think Alabama will have a lot of good players come in for the junior day. Yep, and this is the second one they've had. And they, they had a mini one this past weekend because I mentioned that Marla Davidson and Ben Davis right. and Mac Wilson were there. And also a couple of kids from Mississippi were there. Uh, I don't know. They, they must have had seven or eight kids total. So that wasn't an official junior day, but it was certainly a, a big visit weekend this past weekend. Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons came from Knoxville County, uh, had a really good time, and you know, he's got offers from Alabama, Mississippi State, and, and Ole Miss. It's been hard for Alabama to get players from Knoxville. He's around six foot five, probably about 250 pounds. But the, the thing about uh, that you, we've come to find out about Simmons Carey is he's originally from Louisiana, so he doesn't have the ties to the state of Mississippi that some of these other kids uh, may have. And I think the uh, the, uh, the the visit, excuse me, uh, to the Capstone last weekend was eye opening. And it was a smart move to get Marlon Davidson and Mac Wilson on the campus last weekend because with the basketball going on, they weren't going to be able to make it to this coming junior day. Yeah, and we're extremely sorry to hear about the, the passing of, of, of Marlon and Michael's mother. Uh, and, and that did cause Marlon not to be able to play in, in Carver's victory tonight. Uh, but over, uh, neither beat Homewood. But uh, at the same time, uh, there's a chance he might play in the state finals uh, Saturday afternoon. I'll be able to bring you all that information on BamaMag.com as well as uh, talk about it uh, next week on BAM's radio. What I thought was cool, Drew, was that uh, just a day or two after the visit, I think it was actually Monday, that both young men, Davidson and Mac Wilson, wore uh, Alabama warm-up suits and, and Bama backpacks uh, to Carver High School for school Monday. So, uh you know, people make a big deal about a year, but they don't put it on if they don't care a little something, something about the school they're representing. 
Oh yeah, you know it caused a little bit of you know some some a fervor, but yeah, they uh, I think they both like Alabama a lot. I mean, it was up in front of a lot of websites. It's going to be interesting uh, to see you know how I'm looking at the picture right now. They both you know had the backpacks and the jackets, uh, you know, and they, and a lot of it's strategic. They know it's going to go up on Twitter, so uh, I think it just to send a signal that Alabama is you know in good really good uh, situation. Uh, with uh, those guys and uh, and they're and they're two very important pieces. I think you know that they're they uh, they I think they they're two guys that they have to have. Uh, Mac Wilson's very important because of, of the linebacker need, and then Marlon Davidson is an elite defensive lineman. And with Jaron Reed and DJ Petway moving on, they they're going to need to bring him in. Yep, I uh, thought it'd be fun now uh, to uh, go over the. Uh, Jimmy Stein, uh, LJS Law, early guest at a signing conference. <laughs> I don't know where we get these sound effects from. But anyway, uh, I mean, I, I had IHOP tonight. I didn't have Mexican, so it wasn't me. Uh, but Jimmy has come up with a guest at a, at a 25-man class. Uh, and and it's, it's a lot of fun for me to, to read these kind of things. I just, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. And I look at it, and I say, to myself, well, you know, what of this do I agree with, and what of this do I think, well, he's full of crap. And I have to say, I agree with probably, you know, 75 or 80% of his guests, you know, considering that it is such an early guest. Now, yeah. we'll, start, we'll, we'll start off at, at the quarterback position, uh, if that's where he chose to start off. Uh, he's picking Jawan Pass from Columbus, Georgia. That, that played high school ball with uh, with Makai Pfeiffer. Uh, Makai Brown. Makai Brown. Sorry, he was named after Makai. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, getting old is so fun. But anyway, he picks he picks uh, his quarterback as, as Juwan Pass. I actually respectfully disagree, and uh, Chef Rossi, a well-known poster on a couple sites, actually agrees with me. Drew, I think the quarterback in this class at this very early stage is going to be Josh White from Marietta, Georgia. And Jimmy even admits he could see Juwan Pass going to Louisville. The funny thing about all that is Auburn thought forever they had Juwan Pass, but he's basically dropped them, even though he's right next door to him in Columbus. So it'd be great if Alabama could get a guy like Juwan Pass, an athletic passer, uh, but right now my money's on Josh White from Marietta, Georgia. I just want to get your opinion. Well, I mean, I've I've seen Josh White's been a frequent visitor to Alabama since really he was in uh, I, I think as even even as a, just after his freshman year he's been seen for a couple of years at Alabama. I could see that happening, but I, I could also see Jawan pass. I mean, Louisville he dropped them. Uh, they had been amongst his leaders. He he's not considering Louisville anymore. Uh, at least that was the story I got a few days ago. Uh, it looks like Alabama and North Carolina are his two leaders. I think he has some teammates at UNC. Uh, but, it, you know, with the Makai Brown situation, with him being at Alabama, uh, with Alabama liking the going more towards the dual threat, I I probably would go more towards Juwan Pass if they make – if Alabama continues to make him a priority. I think – but I will say without question, Kerry, they're going to have to all come throw at camp. I don't think they're going to just take somebody and – Juwan's from the camp. And just looking at this junior day visitors list some more, though, Kerry, 
Uh, I, the one thing that excites me a lot is that E. Thompson is coming back for a second time. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, and interesting about uh, Juwan Lindley Louisville didn't know that. Uh, I don't know why anybody would pick North Carolina over Alabama. And uh, j- just to be very frank, you know, William Redfish Barger brought this point out. Alabama has now shown all the naysayers that it will start an African American quarterback. So that can no longer be used against Alabama in recruiting as it has been for oh so many years by people like Auburn and LSU and others, Ole Miss, what have you. Uh, so they can't use that on Juwan Pass. And I don't even know that Carolina football uses those kind of tactics. If that's what he's down to, I like Alabama's chances as well. Uh, Drew, the, uh, he picked two running backs. Uh, Jimmy did for his class, his early projection. And, and, and these are two names I've heard a lot about. But one of them, I don't believe yet, has a committable offer. Again, he's just guessing what's going to happen 11 months from now. Uh, he says he thinks the two running back signees, and of course I want your input, would be Robert Washington of Huntersville, North Carolina, and then Theodore's own the Michael Perrine. Well, you know, Perrine is an interesting uh, prospect because he's somebody that has been on the radar for a couple of years. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of Perrine. I've heard good things about him, Kerry. I really like Trey Nation, but in a different position uh, as far as more of a fullback. Uh, but I do think Trey is an excellent running back as well. I think I hope Alabama continues to recruit him. I think the young man from North Carolina is committed to Wisconsin. But the one thing about that situation, I think the coach left to go to Georgia. And so that's considered a very soft commitment. Uh, by that kid from uh, North Carolina that Alabama won the Washington kid that they've just offered. So they're definitely going to start, you know, turning up the heat on him. So, but again, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see Perrine. And that's another thing, reason you need uh, to the Theodore to win tonight, Kerry Clark, because, well, Michael Perrine is on the basketball team at Theodore, and I would like to talk to him on Saturday. Sure, sure. That's, that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Trey Nation, Drew, because I like him too, as you know. Jimmy's pick at fullback is not my pick, although it wouldn't bother me if they got this guy. He thinks he's going to be Malik Miller from Madison Academy. Uh, I think Kerryon Johnson is going to sway Malik to Auburn, and Alabama does indeed at some point take Trey Nation as the fullback or age for this class. Huh? What are your thoughts at this early juncture on Malik Miller? Well, I think Alabama has a shot at him, but I, I'm like you, Kerry. It would not shock me if he ended up at Auburn. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how his recruitment, you know, unfolds. But I really – I've said this to you, and I think I said this when Jimmy was on our show. I'll take either or. I'll take – I like Trey Nation as much as Malik. I've seen them both play against one another live, and I was really impressed with Trey Nation. Uh, so, And I don't think Alabama will take both of the young men. So whether they end up with Trey Nation or uh, or Malik Miller, I think both of those guys would be uh, uh, outstanding. Uh, prospect and another prospect that's coming to the junior day carry and I mentioned him because he's in my neck of the woods didn't start hearing about this young guy till last week uh, because the high school he goes to is not a as you would know it was well is not does not produce a lot of SEC caliber players but a quarterback I understand to watch now in the 2017 class he was a sophomore last year is Dalton Hyatt at Arab High School I've been hearing that name. D-A-U-L-T-O-N, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. H-Y-A-T-T. And 
He's a, he, he, I got it. Adam Gilbert is his second year head coach. He came over from North Sand Mountain. He was in his first year last year after Watt Parker went to uh, Helena High School, the new, the new school. And, uh, you know, they went seven and four in a pretty decent region. And uh, he put up some really good numbers. He, I watched his huddle film. He's six four, about 185, 190 pounds. And he ran a, supposedly a, just a shade under a four seven forty. So he's a dual threat kid. And again, he's around almost six four. I think he's already visited Auburn. Uh, he's already visited Miami. He's offered him verbally, and now he'll visit Alabama this weekend. That's good. He's a seventeen kid, right? I see that he will be a junior this fall. You just have to hope Gus doesn't say to him, "You can't spell uh, Dalton without a U." Uh, <laughs> so, wide receivers. Uh, Jimmy's predicting that we take three, and I love this this list he has. I love this list. I would take this list. Right now, Bruce. He says it's current commitment, uh, T.J. Simmons, that we just heard from Coach Hood about, Clay Chauble, and his other two, oh, I love these two choices, Kevin Ridley, Calvin's younger brother of Pompano Beach, Florida, and Mikel Jones, one of the top receivers in the nation from Patterson, Louisiana. I disagree with one of them. The top guy for Alabama, now whether they'll get him, that is another question. But the top guy on Alabama's board is Darnell Solomon who just transferred from uh, Hialeah Champagnet High School in Hialeah, Florida, to Miami Central, the school that beat Hoover last year and then won the state championship. Uh, but he has transferred to Miami Central. He's a Nigerian kid, but from what I understand from very good sources, he is Mario Cristobal's top guy, even over Kevin Ridley. And uh, I would like to see them sign Kevin and, uh, and, and obviously Solomon. But, of course, I know about Mr. Jones. I know he's a great athlete as well. And he's, a, of course, the teammate of Daylon Charlotte uh, from uh, the Patterson, Louisiana. So we will see. Uh, but I also got I'm, – I'm doing a story right now, Kerry. There's an up-and-comer that will be in Tuscaloosa on Saturday for the junior day. You need to keep an eye on this kid. His name is Vilas Jones from Saraland High School. Uh, he had 50 catches for over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns last year. He's six foot 180 with a 3-1 GPA and a 23 ACT. He's been clocked in the 40 at under four, at under four six, and he's someone to keep an eye on as someone as far as the camps this summer that could come on like gangbusters and earn an offer. He's already been to Auburn for a junior day. He's going to Louisville, I believe, on March the 7th. He's offered him, but he will be in Tuscaloosa this Friday. He's a 16 kid? Yes, his name is Belus, B-E-L-U-S Jones, and he was the top receiver for the Saraland Trojans last year. Okay, well, I definitely know one of his uh, former teammates who uh, was the long snapper for Thompson this past year after his dad took the job as superintendent and the student of Alabaster Schools. I try to get some scoop on that. Uh, the tight end, uh, we know that the uh, inline tight end was a myth in this past class, barring the position change we don't anticipate, the inline tight end that uh, Jimmy Stein is picking is the young man from Flower Mound, Texas, Caden Smith. Yeah, Caden Smith got a sister that's at Alabama. Uh, he's, I think he's a big-time priority. I think he's had an offer for a long time, Kerry, uh, I think since last year. And uh, – He's a someone that's another crucial prospect, in my opinion, to, to get in and and to, uh, to and hopefully pretty early in the process uh, get him in the fold because much like Hell Hinton gets ended up being the only one last year, they got him in early. 
Uh, I'd like to see them do the same thing with Caden Smith because he and he's more of a true inline tight end. And they've done well, as you've seen, the last two to three years in Texas. So hopefully they can continue to cherry pick a prospect or two here. But having his sister at Alabama, he's already very familiar with the campus and program, and hopefully that will give Alabama a leg up. And no pressure on the young man, but uh, if you're listening, Caden, Jimmy Stein is comparing you to Jason Witten. Okay, uh, moving on to the offensive line position. The first offensive line I will mention is the guy that I will more than anybody else at his position in America, and I know Alabama seems to be in good shape, but we both know LSU won't go down easy. Willie Allen from Yallin. Yeah, Willie Allen. He's somebody that his first football camp last year that he ever attended was Alabama. He uh, said he wanted to earn an offer, and he did so. And I think Alabama has been, you know, at the top of his list ever since that time. Uh, he, he's a great player, Kerry. Uh, I think very crucial to the class uh, to groom behind uh, Cameron and Robinson. And uh, luckily, Nick Saban has a very, very good relationship uh, with the coaches uh, over at, uh, at at that school at J.T. Curtis. He's recruited a lot of kids over there from his time at LSU and continued to have the good relationship at Alabama. I think Willie Allen, they have a very good chance at uh, getting that young man and Really, uh, think, hope uh, he's another one that you would hope this summer that they could, uh, br- uh, you know, get into the class because I think he's a, someone that is an elite player. I don't know if he's as good as Cameron Robinson, but I think he's in the argument. And he's uh, close. He's close. The next guy, Drew, is from your neck of the woods. We talked about him briefly last week, but Jimmy is yep. predicting that we will take Deontay Brown of Decatur High. Yeah, Deontay Brown. I love the kid. I love his physicality, Kerry. Um, I think he, I still think he's probably going to be, you know, I, I'm guessing Jimmy thinks he could develop into a right tackle, and that could be possible. Uh, I, but with, with what I was thinking is I still think he may slide inside the guard. But regardless, he's going to have to lose about 30 pounds, but he plays with a nasty attitude. Uh, you know, I think uh, he, and he shows, even at the weight he's at now, good athletic ability and the ability to pull. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and basically just show excellent athleticism for a big man. And I, just, I really think Deontay is going to, once he goes to the camp this summer, I think he'll end up being a four-star prospect and probably in the top 12 to 15 in state. Yeah, and Jimmy thinks he can play guard or tackle. The next, yeah. guy, doesn't, the next guy does not have an offer yet, but Jimmy is projecting that he may get one uh, late perhaps. Uh, younger brother of Josh Casher, St. Paul's offensive lineman, Darius Whitfield. Well, we talked about this with Jimmy. I want him as the center prospect, Kerry. I've seen the young man. I saw him in the Super 7 last year when they won the state championship in the 5A in a route. And uh, I felt like he he played both ways. Uh, He didn't take any plays off. He played defensive end and then guard on the offensive line. I watched him. Okay, go. We're back. Uh, sorry, we, we got dropped here just for a second, but uh, Thomas is pulling all the switches to get us back on as quick as possible. He did that, so we are back. Next guy on the projected signing class of uh, Jimmy Stein, a.k.a. LJS Law, uh, is already committed. And when he committed, it was as a defensive lineman, but I'm, I'm not convinced, Drew, that Raekwon Davis and Rudy might not be the next D.J. Cooper. Well, and that's, where, that's what I was going to say, Kerry. 
I think Alabama, you know, they want Willie Allen. I think they may already have their right tackle. And I would not be surprised at six. You don't see too many six foot seven defensive tackles. No. And, you know, Raekwon is six foot seven, 310 pounds. I think he has the athleticism to play right tackle. I could easily see him moving to tackle. And uh, that's actually where I project him. I, I give a salute to Jimmy for that. Uh, I agree. I think Raekwon could be a right tackle. And here's the best part, Kerry. I talked about the Will Farrar kid from Richmond, Texas, uh, visiting. He's a 2017 offensive tackle. But for Alabama fans who always like to look ahead uh, as far as offensive line, here is a uh, here is a neat fact: Alabama's t- uh, two offensive tackles uh, in their in their in, in their in the, in the 2017 class could, I think, very easily come from the same state and the same city just down the road from one another. And one of those guys will be in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, a young man I've gotten to know well and his family, great people. And that's Austin Troxel, who we've talked about from Madison Academy. I think he could project as a right tackle at Alabama. And then the future left tackle after Willie Allen is uh, Levi Randolph's brother, Kendall Randolph, and he's a 2017 from Bob Jones in the same city. So Alabama's two offensive tackles in the 2017 class could come uh, from the same town, which is amazing. I'll go ahead and call it, Drew, the Madison Mashers. There you go. Okay. And, uh, and you can thank Kerry on Raekwon. Jimmy listened to the defensive tackle that could play offense. Kerry's saying he's going to play offense. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to say Raekwon's going to play offense, Kerry. I mean, Me too. You, you, Jimmy admits that he's very possibly could. Uh, and everybody remembers D.J. Fluger was considered a defensive tackle until Alabama. was talking about guard for D.J. That lasted yeah. about one practice. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, in Tuscaloosa, I mean. Next guy, you've already talked about him briefly because he had such a good visit this past weekend, but Jimmy projects one of the defensive end signees, and he compares him to Jonathan Allen to be Jeffrey Simmons of uh, Knox City County, Mississippi. Well, if, he, if they can pull Jeffrey Simmons, it'll be big. He had a big-time junior year. You know, his head coach was, was told uh, a good friend of our show, Rodney Orr, that, you know, he really seemed to hit it off with Coach Saban and, really was talking about the facilities and ranting and raving about how good they were. And if he really, truly doesn't have a lot of ties to the state of Mississippi, Kerry, it might give Alabama a chance, much like uh, uh, even though Matt Womack does have ties to the state of Mississippi, he didn't have a lot of ties to Ole Miss or Mississippi State, even though I think his family had a few ties to the state. But he he chose Alabama as the best situation for him. I think Alabama, Bo Davis, I'll, I'll give Bo Davis credit since he's returned. Alabama's in the running for a lot of more, a lot more kids in the state of Mississippi than they were while he was gone. It's not tires I'm worried about. Uh, I've got to buy a consonant and worry about tires. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're going to kind of gloss over the next two guys because we've, we've already talked about them a whole lot. But Jimmy's, and I hope Jimmy's right about this, he's projecting that we get both Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown. Boy, that's going to be a happy cigar store day for Terry Clark if that happens. Uh, well, the next guy we've also talked about a good bit, Drew, uh, Christian Bell. you got to count him as far as class because he's great shirting. But we've covered him ad nauseum. It's very safe to say he'll be a part of the class. The next guy, we talked about him a lot last week, but let's just kind of bring everybody up to date since he's already had a visit since then. Uh, Wayne Davis's son, Ben Davis of Gordo, one of the better uh, inside linebackers uh, to come through Alabama in the last few years. Yeah, I think Ben's got a chance. Uh, like I said in my story, the neat part about the foursome is I think, you know, Ben and Mac could end up playing beside each other inside at some point in their careers at Alabama at Mike and Will. 
I think they're, you know, they have the talent to do so. I think they both project as inside players. And then with Jeremiah Moon, I think he he uh, he uh, projects as an outside guy, Sam. And then with E. Thompson, uh, E is my one of my favorites in state. Yeah, Jack. And, and Jack, I think he could play Jack, and that's your. You could have four guys, you know, barring injuries and the proper development from one recruiting class that could be the starting unit at linebacker in the future. Yep, and uh, we already talked about Mac Wilson. He was also on Jimmy's list. Uh, feeling good about him. Another guy that's intriguing to me, uh, Jimmy has him as a linebacker, but uh, Jimmy also recognizes that he could play tight end or H-back. I'm really hoping Alabama goes after this kid a little harder than they are now. now I'm talking about Central Phoenix City uh, linebacker slash tight end, Jamal Couch. Yeah, and obviously Alabama must not be going after him as hard as they could because – I read a story this week from a friend of our show, John Garcia, and from their uh, from the scout side, and I think he said his two favorites were Mississippi State and Georgia. Uh, he's, got, he's got Alabama third, though. Yeah, he's got Alabama third. I guess Alabama's just not been pushing for him too hard. Uh, he's an intriguing prospect because I think he could end up being an H-back. He seems to like offense. Uh, you know, at Central of Phoenix City, a lot of people were recruiting him uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And Alabama did verbally offer him uh, at the first junior day, so they definitely want him to come to camp. Right. And, and you know, again, if you don't get Caden Smith, he can be an non-tight end. If not, he can be an H-back. Either way, he can help the class. Next guy on Jimmy's list, we've already covered him pretty hard tonight, Jeremiah Moon. We, 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 we don't have an offer yet uh, because he's so skinny, but he could get one by, the, by you know, before signing day. So, We'll certainly be following Jeremiah Moon, uh, yeah. who we mentioned earlier, Darius Gilbert's nephew, former final player. Yeah. Next guy's already committed, but we haven't talked about him a lot. Uh, I believe we had him on the show at one point. Uh, Savannah, Georgia athlete Demetrius Robertson. No, we haven't had Demetrius on the show. I've been trying well, to get him. Well, we need to. We need to, yeah. We need to get him on. Uh, I've been trying to get him and Cheyenne Carter. Sometimes they're hard to reach. We did have Raekwon Davis on uh, the show, uh, so we've had Raekwon. But we just have not had the other two young men. But uh, like you said, Demetrius is a versatile guy. I really think right now some people think he'll be an offensive player. He could be a wide receiver. But he could easily be a defensive back. And I think you definitely have to put the athlete tag on Demetrius. And then obviously with uh, Shaheem, I think a lot of, he's a true corner, uh, kind of handpicked by Nick Saban, especially to take him that early. Well, Shaheem was the next guy on Jimmy's list. And- I, with the fact that LSU in recent years has become cornerback U, I'm a little worried about Alabama holding on to Shaheen Drew. Well, and you, that, that, with uh, Ed Orgeron now on their staff, you know, I could see that. I mean, he uh, he, he did not come to the Alabama Junior Day, uh, the last one in January. I'm not sure if he's slated. To, I haven't seen that he's slated to come this week. I believe that he is. Uh, I'm just looking at some lists that I've looked at. He may very well end up showing up. He did. He went to TCU the last time. Again, these things are fluid as always, but we will see. But uh, again, it's going to be interesting to find out, you know, how how his recruitment works out. I think Alabama has, you know, put themselves in pretty good position with him getting his commitment. And, and really, from if you look at how they did Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, they hung on to him throughout the process. But again, you're right, Kerry, with LSU being in the backyard. But LSU is awfully angry right now, Kerry, as you saw this afternoon. Uh, they can't take uh, 
because of uh, because of a violation in Matt Womack's recruitment, who signed with Alabama, the the, the Tigers aren't able to bring in a, for the next two years an early enrollee. So that's going to hurt them a little bit. And I hear they are uh, fighting mad at Alabama and are kind of blaming Nick Saban for their own screw up. Yeah, they're blaming us for something they self-reported. Bunch of idiots. Next on the list. Next guy on the list, and we already talked about him a little bit. Jimmy Wilson is a DB. Uh, he's a hybrid. Uh, Jimmy even goes so far as to compare him to former Titer uh, and very briefly Raven, Ralph Staten, and I'm talking about P.J. Blue of Jemison. Well, yeah, we talked about him earlier. He's very intriguing. Uh, I think he's the Keaton Anderson of this class. You hate to continue to compare people, but he's somebody that's just a football player. Uh, that I think they like a lot, that they have uh, that they decided to offer pretty early. He's very physical. I'm like you. I'd like to see him play. And uh, as soon as I saw Keaton Anderson's film and saw him play live, I was sold. Uh, maybe the same thing will be said of uh, of uh, P.J. Blue, but we will see. And But I, I agree with you. I think Jimmy's list, uh, uh, so far, I agree with a lot of it. He's only got two more on here. One guy that you and I are both hoping gets an offer and one guy that has what I consider a camp offer, probably a different position. But the first one is Central Phoenix City cornerback uh, John Broussard. Oh, wow. I, I, saying I want John Broussard is an understatement. Uh, I hope he comes to camp at Alabama and blows it up, and they and they can they put the full-court press on the young man. I, as, you, as, you, as you very well know, uh, Freddie Kirby helped me discover him. Uh, he basically, Freddie discovered him and showed him to me. At that uh, camp at the uh, at the combine at Spain Park, and ever since then I've been really high on him. I think he's a great player and a great prospect, and it would be a huge uh, pull for Alabama to get him in state because uh, corners are hard to find, and you need to keep them. Uh, you know, any quality ones in your state, you need to grab. Right, final guy on the list, and uh, he has a verbal what I'd call a camp offer. Now he plays quarterback for Leeds. He can project anywhere from slot to split end. Any. A lot of places, corner, safety, T.D. Marshall to Daryl Marshall of Leeds High School. Yeah, I really like T.D. I saw him play against Madison Academy. I felt like he in the same class of an athlete as on Johnson, two best athletes in the game. But to, to be quite frank, you know, a lot of the Madison Academy people were frustrated with, you know, a, a, a hurdling call that called back a touchdown, a great run, great individual effort by on Johnson. But if, you know, to Daryl Marshall had not, Basically, in my opinion, come unglued emotionally and kind of lose. And he just kind of—I think he got too excited during the game. He got too fired up. If he had not been ejected in the third quarter for taunting Carey, I don't think that game would have been coming down to the final play. Leeds still won the game, uh, but I think Leeds would have won that thing comfortably because he was uh, some somebody with he and Trey Nation. Madison Academy couldn't deal with both of them. Madison County lost that game because their fans are too busy staring at Sadie Robinson instead of what's going on the field. Anyway, uh, just kidding. We're going to go ahead and take a break, uh, our only break of the night, because we do have a guest coming up shortly after 8.30. I'm going to give Thomas time to track him down. But uh, right now we're just going to take a break for a few minutes, and we'll be back right around the bottom of the hour. For now, you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMA Sports Radio family. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcasts, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. 
Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tied, all the time. You gotta love that. Uh, we're back. It's thirty minutes after the hour. I grew up on Skinner, and I'm a Bear Bryant fan. Terry Clark back here with you on Bama's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. I'm of course with BamaMag.com uh, and Scout.com. Joined as always by my co-host Thomas Watts back in the studio from Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and Drew Armand in the Rocket City of Huntsville from AlabamaIntel.com. And, um, so we are going to be joined in, in a few minutes by uh, one of our guests, uh, Tom Canterbury, as soon as Thomas can uh, track him down. But, uh, Drew, uh, that, we, we kind of went through that list uh, pretty quick. Uh, what did you think about Jimmy's uh, suggestions? Oh, I, I agree with most of them, Kerry. I, I think 
I disagreed a little bit with the quarterback situation, and I still think uh, as far as tailback goes, that's going to be something that's – I'm not real comfortable yet with the tailback board. I think that's going to be – they're going to take a couple, but I think they're going to – that's something where they're going to continue to evaluate. Now, I would not be surprised if someone like Michael P. Ryan – uh, come, came to camp and did really well and had a great senior year and then ended up getting an offer from Alabama. But uh, the, the quarterback and then maybe the tailback situations, uh, I think, are still uh, going to play themselves out. Though I do think if Juwan Pass, with Shea Patterson off the board going to Ole Miss, I do think if, if Pass comes to Alabama and performs well, he could easily be the guy. And uh, just – FYI, you're probably right about that, but Pass actually came to camp last summer as well, Drew. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew he did. They, they, they liked him. He, they, he's been to campus several times with Makai. And Pass is like 6'5", right? Yes, he's 6'5", about 215, with really good mobility. So he's very intriguing, and that's why he's my pick. I think he's a great athlete, and I think he would be, you know, a, a, a great guy to develop. Uh, while you you know while, while you see uh, obviously Jake Coker play out his eligibility, but then obviously you'll have the Blake Barnetts hopefully redshirting. We'll see, and then obviously uh, and then and then uh, David Cornwell. But uh, I think uh, Pass would be an excellent prospect to bring in. Well, and hopefully Makai Brown will help us do just that. They? You know, Makai talked him up when we had Makai on our show a few months ago. He talked Jawan up pretty good. Yes, he did. All right, well, uh, I'm proud to bring on uh, a good friend of mine, uh, a former – you know, it's funny, a few weeks ago we had a former basketball teammate of mine to talk basketball. Now we've got a former softball teammate of mine to talk softball. Uh, used to work with him at Clear Channel Radio. Uh, he has various duties around the UA Athletic Department, uh, including being first-year play-by-play announcer for Alabama softball. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring on uh, Tom Canterbury, uh, who does call the games for Patrick Murphy's team. But, Tom, before we get to softball, uh, you just uh, left Foster Auditorium where you saw the Alabama women's basketball team take on the Florida Gators. Tell us how that went down. Well, it was uh, you know a battle of two teams that if the, uh, the season ended today, uh, they would be the number 12 and 13 seeds, respectively, in the SEC tournament. So, uh uh, but uh, Alabama had a had the lead throughout most of the second half, but then uh, in the final minutes, Florida was able to take the lead and ended up winning by four. So it was kind of one of those uh, microcosms of the season type games for Alabama, and they also looked like they lost senior uh, Sharon Rivers. She uh, looked to injure her knee uh, right before halftime, uh, so kind of a uh, disappointing way for her to go out on her senior night, uh, but uh, we'll see what the uh, the doctors say about that, but it didn't look real good for her as far as her knee goes. So uh, just uh, got the glass game against Auburn coming up this weekend, and then they'll go to the uh, SEC tournament next week. Right, and Auburn has got one SEC victory this year in women's basketball. Alabama has two. Uh, with Sharon Rivers probably done for the year, can Bama pull off the victory on the Plains? I think they can. Uh, this, that's the thing with this team. They're, uh, the record aside, they're not really that far off, and they play really hard. If they make shots, which, you know, it's basketball, but if they make their shots, I think they can play with a lot of teams. I mean, they're still, you know, they're, they're not going to be competing with South Carolina or Tennessee, you know, this year. But uh, a team like Auburn, I think that they can win, and it would be a way to get them some positive momentum going into the SEC tournament. Okay, 
Well, Tom, the, the, and I appreciate that update on women's basketball. Uh, we have a lot of <laughs> listeners of this show, of Bams Radio, that are big Alabama softball fans. Uh, I can think of one particular up in the Shoals area. I know she's listening. Uh, and you have uh, have now completed, I guess, 15 games as a first-year play-by-play guy. I believe I believe the record is 12-3, and three, and I believe the ranking is right around number three in the country. Uh, tell us what you've seen so far from uh, Alabama softball 2015, Tom. Yeah, Kerry. Uh, actually, we're right now at thirteen and three. We played uh, sixteen okay. games. Had yeah, had three uh, been canceled because of weather. We had a trip up to UAB get canceled. One of the games of the Crimson, uh, excuse me, of the uh, Bama Bash this past weekend got canceled. And then Alabama was supposed to play at Jacksonville State last night, but of course with the snow coming through, we weren't able to play that ball game. But thirteen and three, Bama number four, and uh, in one poll, number five in the other uh, because they lost two games to Michigan this past weekend in the Bama Bash. And the one thing I was able to take away from the Bama Bash is that Michigan is really good. Uh, so I, I don't think I don't think you can you should throw in the towel on Alabama because they lost those two games, uh, lost by a score of 8-2 to two and then 4-1. Uh, to one. Uh, But the games ended up were, were actually a lot closer than those final scores indicated. Uh, and I think Alabama is going to continue to improve. Uh, what we've seen from Alabama so far um, is uh, Haley McClinney, the leadoff hitter for Alabama, uh, just a, a tremendous season, you know, which is what you expected. She's on the top 50 watch list for National Player of the Year, leading the team with a 551 batting average and an on-base percentage of 635. Just a, and just a tremendous leadoff hitter. Actually, it batted third a couple of the games in the Bama Bash, so we might see some of that. Uh, one of the surprises for Alabama so far, just because not surprised that she's done well but at, at this level has done so well early on has been um, Demi Turner uh, the Alabama second baseman freshman from Huntsville Texas uh, batted leadoff in the game where Haley batted a third uh, she has had a 451 batting average uh, on base percentage almost at 500 as well she has really been an extra weapon for Alabama a lot of speed on the bases and can really lay down bunts well getting runners over so I think you've seen that at the top of the lineup, been really, really good for Alabama. And then the pitching has been the most dominant thing in the circle for the Tide. Sophomore Sidney Littlejohn threw a perfect game against Eastern Kentucky and Gulf Shores. Then you had Alexis Osorio, who was a freshman from Riverside, California, when we went out to Stanford to play in the Stanford uh, Nike Invitational. She uh, threw it, became only the third Alabama freshman to throw a no-hitter, which she did against Pacific. And so that's two no-hitters this season, and Alabama had not thrown a no-hitter since 2011, only the second perfect game in program history. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of – you're seeing, and really, when you look at it, Leslie Jury, the, the senior for Alabama, is supposed to be more if this team has an ace, would be the ace of the staff. But you got three right-handed pitchers who the only thing that has that they are similar about them is that the fact that they're right-handed. They have, they're three totally different pitchers. And uh, and uh, a lot of options for Patrick Murphy in the circle. Uh, so if they be, if the offense can continue to improve and score runs, the pitching is going to keep Alabama in every single game. Well, uh, well, Tom, this is Drew Armand. I wanted to ask you about that and about the pitching. Uh, I, Little John, she impressed in uh, limited duty last year. What's been the keeper? She seems to be really improved as a sophomore. Uh, I think a lot of it is just is confidence. She just she knows her pitches and she throws them now. And, and I mean she she really 
relies on hitting their hitting the spots uh, on both you know uh, both sides of the plate, um, getting a lot of spin on the ball. That's her. That's her. That's what she does. That's her bread and butter. And you've seen with her, she's given up four earned runs this year, and uh, all those runs have come off home runs. So other than you know maybe one or two mistakes here and there, you know five and zero record and six six appearances and only giving up four earned runs and only six walks to twenty six strikeouts. She's not really a strikeout pitcher, but you know, you know she pitches the contact, but getting twenty six strikeouts and only six walks, you know continuing to hit the hit the spots, a, a good surprise for Patrick Murphy's team this year. Yeah, no doubt. And my other question, too, just following the team thus far, is another one of the more improved players, and she's uh, now taking over as the starter behind the plate, is Chauncey Bell. She's really swung the bat well. I know she was a valued prospect coming in. She's kind of had to wait her turn. But what's been mm-hmm. the key for her thus far? Well, uh, it's really just getting getting that opportunity. Like you said, she this is as in her senior year, the first time that the catching – position has been totally hers last couple of years she's been uh getting some spot starts and platooning a little bit with molly fickner who's now a uh, graduate assistant on the team for alabama uh but now it's completely hers she's really she's a vocal leader uh has you know has a great uh, rapport with the pitcher with the pitchers and uh she just had her senior day this past week and that's one thing coach murphy ta- talked about with her is that you know, when she speaks, everyone listens and everyone, you know, has the respect for what she has to say. And then um, at the plate, you know, hitting 340 so far this year, she's got five doubles. And uh, she only had two doubles her entire career coming into this season. And then getting the solo home run this past weekend, the, her third home run of her career, the first one of this season. Uh, just, uh, you know, getting that opportunity and uh, and and really – she has uh, only the eight, yeah, eight RBI this year. Uh, she just needs to get get the people in front of her on base, and she can knock some more in. Well, that's just it, and it's surprising that she. That shows you how fast things go and time passes. Because I can't believe she's a senior already. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, we're we're the, the we have five seniors on the Alabama team this year, and those seniors were freshmen on the 2012 national championship team for the Tide. Good Lord. Well, Tom, uh, <laughs> I mentioned defense earlier. Uh, I'm a big fan of speed. Uh, I know you wouldn't have known that when we were teammates, but uh, I'm a big <laughs> fan of speed. Uh, and, you know, Mark told me when I talked to him at the basketball game, the Pupus Cup, he's only got 12 hitters this year. He has two girls that are walk-ons that do nothing but pinch one. But he only right. has 12 hitters that actually swing the bat during a ball game. Uh, and one of those has, has been battling injuries, Andrea Hawkins, and uh, one of those is not getting much playing time because she is a catcher and a true freshman, Crash Fane from Gardendale. The, the, the ones that I guess I'm a little intrigued with, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Jaden Spencer at first. Uh, I know she plays right as, as well as she can, and I know they need her bat in the lineup. But Leona Lafaelle, the starting first baseman, is in a, in, a, in a pretty serious slump right now, I think you'd agree. And I'm wondering if there's a chance – as Hawkins gets more healthy, if we see a little more of maybe Hawkins and Wright and Jaden Spencer at first, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, I, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, I, you can also see, um, I think who else I've seen 
at first, I think at, at some point you've even seen in practice Chauncey, Chauncey Bell play a little bit of first as well. But uh, I don't think that's out of their own possibilities. The, uh, the, the injury to Hawk has really, um, I think, limited what uh, he's wanted to do out in the outfield. I think if she was 100%, uh, I think she would be your starting right fielder. Uh, but you know she's still she's dealing with the with the torn labrum in her shoulder uh, that she's still uh, recuperating from. Uh, so she has only gotten the one start this year, although she has appeared in, in nine ball games. Um, but I, I I think that could be a possibility. Uh, Spencer and Lafayette are both two bats that that Alabama would like to see uh, be more. Uh, productive in the lineup. You, know, you mentioned, you know, that Jaden's only hitting 229. Leona, uh, 211. Uh, got a home run for for Leona. Uh, nothing yet for Spencer. Spencer actually in the uh, Bama Bash started to kind of come out of her her little funk, and then hopefully Lafayette will be right behind her. I want to mention a uh, a senior from Drew's neck of the woods. Uh, he's in Huntsville, but she's in Priceville, Alabama. She didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year because of the numbers, but uh, I have to give a lot of credit, maybe even a comeback player of the year type thing for Danielle Richard, Tom. She's really been mm-hmm. big so far. She really has. You know, uh, Danny, little Dan, they call her. She uh, she had her senior day uh, against Lipscomb on Sunday of the of the Bama Bash as well, and she had four RBI in that ball game, and she now leads the team in RBI with 17. She jumps ahead of McClenney, who has 16. Uh, yeah, she's started all 16 games this year, mostly a designated player because, uh, you know, Patrick Murphy just wants her, her bat in the lineup. And really, her senior year, she is blossoming into a, into a key cog of the offense. And then, you know, you're not losing much fielding-wise if you have her on the outfield. And she's seen some spot duty out there as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the pride of Priceville has done very well so far this year and uh, looks to be, be a very important asset for Alabama as the season goes along. Another one I wanted to ask you about, since, unfortunately, Peyton Grantham is out for the year uh, with yeah. surgery, having to miss her her, her sophomore season, uh, her counterpart, Marissa Runyon, Runyon rather, Marissa Runyon right. is kind of, uh, I guess, platooning with Richard at third. Marissa's in a little bit of a hitting slump as well, but she showed last year that she can get it done in the clutch. So uh, I guess as the season shakes out, uh, and you get into SEC play sooner rather than later. How, how do you see the third base position? Uh, and, and of course, you got to throw Callie Case's name in there too. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how the uh, how the health situation continues with Hawkins and who you move in the outfield, and, and just a lot of different puzzle pieces are going around there. I think you know generally the third base job is Runyon's, um, but then but we saw Case get a start there. Uh, we've seen Chandler Dare play third base this year as well, uh, but you know Runyon, she's a left-handed bat, which are you know those are always key to have in softball. She only has seven hits this year, but she also leads the team with 14 walks. So you know you're seeing a lot of teams kind of pitch around her in the six-seven hole um, to kind of move down in the Alabama lineup. Uh, so I think once she starts again, you know you're looking for some of these other girls to to do more. At the bottom of the lineup, when that happens, you're going to see them having to pitch more to Runyon, and I think she's going to be even more effective. Uh, but like I say, getting the she, she has eight RBIs with only seven hits and the, and the 14 walks, so uh, three doubles, a triple, and a home run for Marissa Runyon this year as well. Um, I think I think her batting average 
is a little bit deceptive for what she's been able to accomplish this year. And she plays a pretty good third base. Um, so I, I think in general it's hers unless, you know, you get 100% Hawkins and that kind of moves people around. I think uh, another thing I'm trying to figure out, and maybe you got a better grasp of it than I do, what exactly is Callie Case's role going to be this year? Uh, I think it's still uh, it's still kind of still kind of up in the air at times. You know, she's she's gotten five starts this year. She's appeared in ten games. Um, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the pitching matchups. Um, she's and she's got to get those slap those slap hits down. Uh, if she gets those down, then she's a she's a key aspect lineup, kind of lower in the lineup. Uh, again, we're just trying to trying to get all these pieces in the puzzle, and that's why uh, that's why they pay Patrick Murphy the big bucks, and I just sit up in the press box and talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And for those of you not familiar with Callie, her dad Scott Case played uh, football for Oklahoma, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Dallas Cowboys as a Super Bowl champion. I'm glad you mentioned uh, earlier Chandler there because Tom, for, for someone that just two years ago was playing three A softball for American Christian and just listen. She has become right. an everyday starter this year and has blossomed. And even recently, as small as the kid is, she looks like a gymnast, not a softball player, but as small yeah. as the kid is, she actually started to show some pop in her back. Yeah. She got her first career home run uh, this past weekend and, uh, and she crushed it. It uh, went out to right field over the, and into the brickyard. And uh, she just, she has that that pitch that comes up right around her chest, and you know that's what she likes to see. And she got she got one and, and got a hold of it. And she really, when you look at some of the uh, the stats and the results from the weekend against Michigan, James Madison, and Lipscomb, uh, Chandler Dare was a, was the offensive highlight for Alabama. Uh, and overall, hitting three eighty nine, uh, a double, a home run, five RBIs, but. Her all her RBIs have been in key moments. She had the home run there. She had the two winning RBIs in the first game of the season at South Alabama, which is a really good win for Alabama. As you know, South Alabama is a top 25 team to go to Mobile on their home campus to start off the year, be down one nothing going into the top of the seventh, and then and then to score two and win that game two to one. Uh, very, I think that's those are the type of games that you're going to be able to look back on when, you know, you're fighting through the conference schedule and you may be in that same position, shoot, we did it the first game of the year. So uh, I think, and the fact that Chandler Dare has been in that position and has done so well uh, speaks a lot for her. And, you know, talked to Coach Murphy about Chandler uh, in the pre in the pregame uh, before the Lipscomb game. And he said, you know, that's, that's a, for her first home run, but it will be the first of many. Uh, and uh, I think they're really going to uh, – rely on her. She moved up to number two in the lineup against Lipscomb. And I think, and she actually in the first game against South Alabama batted second there as well. Um, if they stay with Turner batting, uh, Turner leading off and McClenney batting third, if Dare can do, do that well from the two hole, uh, Bama's going to be in good shape. Yeah, they got three girls at the top of all that have the green light at any time with that lineup, which, like I said, I love speed. If they can ever get yeah. Hawkins back there just batting ninth playing right, That'd be four in a row. But uh, last yes. question I want to ask you about Tom is uh, Mr. Pinnable, Miss Steady, four-year starter, uh, second baseman her freshman year, shortstop since then. Talk about the senior year thus far for Danae Hayes. Yeah, Danae, uh, big man. She'll be having her uh, senior day coming up on the Saturday against uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And uh, quick notice if you uh, if you hadn't mentioned it or if you hadn't seen uh, Saturday, the Friday night game has been moved to Saturday. 
and Alabama will play a doubleheader against Louisiana Lafayette starting at 1 on Saturday and then the one one game on Sunday starting at 1. But uh, Denise had a, had a very solid year. She kind of started out uh, struggling a little bit. She struggled in, in South and then somewhat in Gulf Shores, but really uh, came alive again in Stanford and, and continued on. She hit a solo shot uh, against Michigan in game number one, and she's hitting 293, eight, eight walks, and she's actually moved up to fourth all by herself in the career hit by pitches uh, this year as well. Um, just somebody like that that you can have at, at shortstop uh, and really being uh, being the senior when, you know, she's kind of being is the quarterback of the infield. You have Chauncey Bell, a senior, as the quarterback with the battery, and then Haley McClenney as a quarterback at center field. You got a lot of good veteran leadership out in the out in the field for Alabama, and uh, Danae is certainly that uh, at short. Yeah, I hate to say it, but Nick Saban wishes he'd had that kind of quarterback depth. <laughs> That's strong, <laughs> strong up the middle. And uh, absolutely, Tom, uh, if, if people were not listening at the beginning of the interview, Tom and I used to be coworkers at Clear Channel Radio in Tuscaloosa. That's uh, since changed for both of us due to the nature of the radio business. But Tom, tell our yeah. listeners. Uh, First off, what you do full-time, and then what your duties are for UA Athletics other than play-by-play and softball, because I know you have some type of duty at pretty much every home event. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just pretty much a jack-of-all-trades wherever they need me. They, they throw me in. Full-time job is um, the promotions director at iHeartMedia here in Tuscaloosa, um, and then uh, the play-by-play for Alabama softball, uh, which you can hear on 95.3 The Bear. Or uh, usually, like, but these, you know, the, the two games on Saturday will be on 790 WTSK AM. Uh, always just check on on the uh, in the paper or in releases. They'll tell you which station it's on. Especially in this uh, this month or so until base until uh, basketball gets over with, and then uh, it'll be more consistent on what uh, station that'll be on. And then with Alabama, I work with the SAC crew for um, Alabama football. Uh, basketball. I do the PA announcing for Alabama soccer. Um, until this year, I did uh, scoreboard for Alabama baseball, but now that I'm doing softball, it precludes me from doing that. But it, like I said, just a jack of all trades, try to get in there wherever they'll, they'll put me. And what do you do in the football press box? Uh, it's just usually just one of the – I literally will do uh, participation or sometimes they'll throw me in doing uh, different TV roles, uh, giving stats for the for, – uh, the truck for Vernon Gary or whoever is, is calling that game. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, we have a caller from Gadsden Marty uh, who each week wants me to do the participation chart. And I can tell you, Tom, that it is 99 million times better at home games than it is road games. Road games, they'll have like walk-ons or red shirting playing on. Anyway, so thanks for right. doing the well, participation I'll... chart. I know Marty from Gadsden appreciates that. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing for for Marty, and I, 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 this is just in general. Uh, duplicate numbers are the worst thing to happen in football. They, there, there's only there's only 85 t- players, or however many are on 53, however many on travel roster, or whatever. Nobody should have the same number. We need to eliminate. If you get rid of the duplicate numbers, you won't have any of that issue anymore. That's true. That's just, that was that's just, that's just my that's that's my that's my soapbox on it. Let's get rid of the duplicate numbers. Well, that's that <laughs> that was actually one of the few things that Mike DeBose got right when he was at Coach Alabama was he didn't allow duplicate numbers. But I think the problem with that now, Tom, is so many kids want to have their high school number, and if one's on offense sure. and one's on defense, the, the uh, D1 school tends to allow it. And then final question before we let you go, uh, uh, after uh, 
good old Chad took his talents to North Georgia. Uh, you were named as the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for softball. Congratulations on that. You tell us how that process went about. Well, um, I I saw that he, you know, I've been it's been a little while since I've done play-by-play, uh, -play, but I, you know, did it in college. Uh, did it at the uh, at the campus radio station for for almost every sport. Um, and that was kind of like, that was one of my first loves, first passions. And uh, when I saw the job was was open, uh, you know, I've had a, a relationship with Tom Roberts. So I, you know, talked with him and just finished, I just finished up my uh, master's degree at Alabama in sport management. Uh, so I had, I had some stuff together and I just sent it over there and just kind of went, went through the process and they, uh, they, they made the decision that, that I should, should be the guy. And I was able to do it. And I was very happy about that. And we do congratulate you for that. And uh, I want to thank you for taking time out tonight to, to join us and talk a little bit about women's basketball and softball. And uh, if you don't mind, we'd like to have you back on in maybe three or four weeks to kind of bring us a mid-season softball update. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do. And then looking at, you know, this weekend, it's a big weekend. you got another top five matchup in Tuscaloosa against uh, the Raging Cajuns. And then we move into uh, already into the conference schedule the next weekend against Ole Miss. So, uh, we're getting we're getting into the meat of it now, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I've already secured my tickets. Uh, not in the outfield, in the infield portion for uh, Tennessee and Florida. So I'll see you those those Saturday afternoons. And again, thanks for your time, Tom. And uh, have a great night and roll tide. Thanks, roll tide. All right, thank you, That's Tom. Tom Canterbury. Tom Canterbury is the softball voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide ladies. And uh, as he pointed out, he has various and sundry duties during football and uh, men's and women's basketball regarding participation, scoring table, things like that. And uh, so that's Tom Canterbury. We'll have him back on uh, in maybe three or four weeks uh, as when they get into the meat of the SEC schedule. Um, I'm happy to say that one of my friends here in Hoover uh, has already uh, promised me a couple of tickets for the uh, Saturday Tennessee and the Saturday Florida games. So I'm looking forward to going out for those. And I'm going to have to hit a few Saturday or Sunday afternoons at the Met uh, where Louisiana Lafayette will also be visiting Alabama baseball this weekend. If you didn't hear us earlier, uh, tomorrow's game will be at 3 o'clock due to the weather, uh, and then they'll play uh, Saturday at 2, I believe Sunday at 1. And as Tom mentioned, Alabama softball also playing Louisiana Lafayette, a doubleheader Saturday at 1, and then a single game Sunday. I believe that one starts at 2. So the number five softball team, the number 25 baseball team, both in action at home, although – the Hoover Met is the home away from home for the Alabama baseball team. But they talked about the fences uh, being a factor. But uh, Casey Houston sure as hell uh, hit a grand slam the other night over the right field wall, Drew, and I saw some video. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered where they were playing. That puppy was gone. Well, he, he has light power power, Kerry. And uh, he hit about seven home runs last year. But I felt like he showed enough flashes. Uh, that he could be a double-digit home running guy for you at Tuscaloosa and a high draft pick. He's a great athlete. Uh, he's got a great throwing arm from the outfield. I think he's somebody in the future that could be a top three-round pick and make a lot of money. Uh, he just has all the tools. He's got pretty good speed as well. And as you said, he's been tearing the cover off the baseball early. Uh, Alabama could have easily taken two of the three games in Houston, a very good series. Uh, they gave up a three-run homer to lose the Friday game, which was a well-pitched game, three to one, and then the the, the wild game that they had a nine-to-five lead. But Houston's got a good offensive club and are tough in their ballpark. It was a really, uh, still a good series for Alabama. 
and like to see them see if they could take two out of three against Louisiana, who will have a very fine uh, baseball team under Tony well, Rope. Right. I'd take two out of three right now in that one and the softball series this weekend and be very, very happy. For everybody, uh, he's a good friend of ours and a big Alabama guy, and he made a big statement tonight. I just watched the last uh, couple of minutes. But uh, as he would tell me right now, if I was talking to him, he would say, Drew, we checked their oil. And uh, the Johnson Jaguars ran the, the, the Faith Academy uh, 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 squad off the floor tonight, 57-40, to 40, in a battle of teams that I think had close to uh, – I know Faith had had a 30-plus game winning streak, and I think Jack's last loss with Faith uh, in, in the Steel City Tournament Finals, he told me they gave that game away and they made a statement tonight uh, with a huge win in front of both Bruce Pearl and Anthony Grant. And Chuck Person. So Grant did make it to the other gym. Yes, uh, he was He was watching John Petty tonight. Uh, John, well, he was watching Sism earlier. Yes, the Jags will play in the 5A finals. And amazingly, Kerry, as far as on the boys' side of the of the, uh, of the, uh, of the bracket, uh, my city has a chance to win four state championships, uh, and, and, uh, and it, it, it should be an amazing uh, Saturday because uh, Lee is in the 6A final, Johnson's in the 5A final, Westminster Christian Academy's in the 4A final, and, of course, Madison Academy can win the first one tomorrow night uh, on Friday uh, in the 3A final. Right, and Josh uh, Langford had 16 points in Madison Academy's victory uh, in the semifinals the other day, Group. Yes, against Montgomery Academy. Uh, they will now face Piedmont in the finals. Should be a very competitive game, but Coach Blackson, as he's apt to do, has got his kids locked in this time of year. And with Josh Langford healthy, they're going to be a tough out. Yep, and we'll bring you complete uh, uh, prospect-related results from the uh, state finals. And I don't recall them to get Final Four because there's so many teams there with 7-8. But the state finals being played mainly – at uh, Legacy Arena at the BJCC. He had to play a couple of games at the Crossplex, Bill Harris Arena, over close to Bestman. It's called Birmingham, but it might as well be Bestman. Uh, but they had to play a couple of games there today because they lost yesterday due to weather. But uh, I will be down there checking out. I'm hoping Theodore can beat Mountain Brook tonight. Uh, if not, I'll only be checking out uh, Austin from Carver uh, on uh, Saturday. But I'll be there anyway. I'll just have to DVR Bama Vandy and get to it later if they win. If they don't, I'm just zap it, you know. So uh, we'll have some uh, some more information and try to get some interviews for you down at the state uh, finals this Saturday at the BJCC or as they now call it Legacy Arena. They got them a sponsor. But uh, that pretty much wraps it up, I believe, this week. Before everybody goes, do you have anything else you wanted to add, Drew? Uh, no, not too much, Kerry. I just really enjoyed the show, enjoyed Tom, and enjoyed his insights into the basketball women's basketball program, which I think is a building program, and uh, also with softball. Uh, Demi, Demi Turner has been a very exciting addition to the squad and uh, glad to see her rolling early and, uh, and Little John's development as well. And uh, I think Coach Murphy, they did lose two uh, in a row to a very fine Michigan team. But as you know, baseball and softball are marathons. They're not sprints. People sometimes panic over early season losses. But if you have a really good coach and a really good program, uh, that's really just something you need to kind of file away and just try to get better. It's not, no no reason to all of a sudden start proclaiming they can't play with the great teams and all this and that. I, I think Alabama's still got a very, very good team. Oh, they do. They lost two at home to a top-five team, but they learned from those losses. 
uh, you know, they lost one by six, they lost one by three. Hey, it happens. It's early in the year, definitely no reason to panic. Alabama softball will be fine. I don't have any qualms about how that program is being run. He goes out and gets national recruits every year, and then when he gets into campus, he and his staff coach him up. I, I can say nothing but good things about Patrick Murphy. He disturbed me, but it took him as long as it did to win his first national title, but he did it. And then he came back last year and got runner-up to Florida and Florida's best team ever. So uh, they're going to be in the conversation as long as he's there. Uh, they're number five this week, but they're probably number five with a bullet because the young people like Denny Turner, and even though she's not young, first-year starter at catcher, uh, Chelsea Bell, they're all kind of integrating in, you know, getting meshing, getting chemistry. They're going to be fine. Their early season returns on baseball at 6-2 and two are, are looking pretty good. We'll be uh, really interested to see if they can at least take two out of three from Louisiana Lafayette. Like I said earlier, Drew, if baseball and softball both take two out of three from Lafayette this weekend, I think we can we can call it a good weekend regardless of what happens in Nashville for the basketball team. Yeah, I think it could be a good weekend for baseball and softball. You never know in basketball uh, how, how a team is going to react. I think Alabama will play hard. They're just so shorthanded. And uh, we will see. And I will tell you, Terry, uh, you, you haven't missed any of the uh, Theodore game thus far. Uh, the Huntsville-McGill-Tulin game has still got about a minute and 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. So I think your uh, your game with Theodore will probably be starting around the 9.30 time slot. Uh, no. when they, I, it's I ain't paying no money to watch that game on my computer, but I'll be, I'll be checking it on Twitter. Who's up uh, in the McGill game? I'm just curious. Uh, McGill too, and unfortunately, it's mud holding my alma mater, Huntsville, by 18. Ha! 40 seconds to go. So it's common dragging rights over me right now. <laughs> this, this is ladies, though, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, this is ladies. McGill Tulin will face the Jefferson Davis Volunteers after the Hazel Green Trojan. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching it choke like a dog. We're up 41-37 with 35 seconds left. Decided not to touch the basketball and let it roll past midcourt. Girl from Jeff Davis picked it up, one dribble, hit a three. Then they stupidly tried to go deep to throw the throw a long pass, which was tipped and turned over and uh, was stolen by Jeff Davis, who laid it in to take the lead. And then Hazel Green uh, missed two, sh- two or three shots at the basket and ended up losing the basketball game. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Goodbye, Trojans. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> the state tournament in a nutshell. And we'll have much more on the state tournament next week on BAMS Radio. But we're going to go ahead and sign off for tonight. Uh, for Thomas Watts, our producer back in the studio from uh, Mobile from Touchdown Alabama Magazine, for Drew the Armand uh, in the rocket city of Huntsville with AlabamaIntel.com. I am in uh, the lovely city of Hoover, Alabama, Terry Clark. Uh, from BamaMag.com and Scout.com and uh, just want to say thanks to our guest tonight, Tom Canterbury and uh, Coach Hood from Play Chartwell and uh, good night and you're listening to BAM's Radio a member of the BAMA Sports Radio family Roll Tide everybody